Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we are going to be doing one of Connor's favorite films of all time. Uh, favorite sequels. I don't know. I'll kind of let you speak for it. Back to the Future Part 2. I know your favorite movie is the first one. Uh, you know, obviously the trilogy means a lot to you. So it's kind of your your birthday pick. We like to do that on, on, our, on our shows. Pick something a little bit more special. And this is kind of right up that alley for you. Yeah, Back to the Future is my all-time favorite movie. Back to the Future Part 2 is my second all-time favorite movie. <laughs> I bet you can guess what my number three is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these these movies are sacred to me. I grew up with these. I've, I've been watching these since I was like two. I can quote them by memory. I I love them. They're comfort food. They're They're special. And... Part two, I think, is one of the strongest sequels ever made. And I know there's a lot of bias in that statement, but I do think it stands up. It The visual effects are fantastic. The story's great. The performances are amazing. Like, it's it's great. It's a fun movie and I think a, a worthy Oscar Sunday. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. You, you, you hit the nail on the head there with the visual effects. Still looks really cool. And when we give our awards out, I'll definitely be shining a light on something that I thought was just such an epic epic uh, moment of the movie uh that's the one nomination that it got was visual effects at the 62nd academy awards we've been here this is this is our fourth 1989 movie we've ever done uh dead poet society do the right thing when harry met sally and now back to the future part two pretty incredible group of movies and uh i'm excited i'm excited to do this one you know it had been a while since i've seen the second one so i went ahead and watched the first one uh second one and then, of course, I'm going to watch the third one uh, the next couple nights because on Filmgasm on Wednesday, we'll be doing Back to the Future Part 3. So feel, feels feels like a good time to be to be watching these movies and, and appreciating them. They're great. And we were just talking about before uh, we, we hit record was that the trilogy of Back to the Future is still pure, is still intact. Do you think they're going to go back and fuck this up and do a fourth one one day? When Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale are dead, Universal's going to fucking try. I'm just hoping that in their wills or estates, whatever, they put some caveat that, like, this movie goes in the vault. Don't you fucking touch it. Because they've been very adamant about this for ever since 1990, that there will not be a fourth movie. This is a trilogy. Don't touch it. No remakes. Nothing. Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox have both been, you know, very attached to this franchise ever since they they're very involved they're not going to let that happen like people don't want this to to lose its purity and i i respect that big time there's so few franchises where people are just like stop don't do it this is one of the few and yeah i hope we maintain that yeah yeah that would be great because yeah it's it's such a tight trilogy you know it's just 1985 1989 and 1990 it's a really really specific time and place and yeah, I, I would hate I would hate for them to try to do something silly and 
it gets thrown on some streaming service and it's just just not up to par with you know how 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 effective these movies were and still are uh yeah ah, that would suck that would suck not only for me but even suck more for you you know as a, as you are a huge you know a mega fan but i do think i do think trilogies are fascinating and you and i were talking about uh what we should kind of do here for the episode and we we kind of threw around some ideas then we were like well what if we did our top five trilogies and with that comes you know so you you and i are always like this we want to make it as difficult as possible for ourselves <laughs> when we do when we do a top five or a draft or whatever uh so with this with this top five we're going to do top five trilogies but if there's anything after that trilogy so if you know there's a fourth movie like toy story does not count you know star wars those do not count um what else what else you know lord of the rings those have the hobbit hobbit prequel movies those do not count so we got really we got really down to the nitty-gritty here and i think we both had a harder time than we thought we would yeah, but that was fun. It was fun getting to kind of you know, yeah. narrow this down as much as you could and kind of realize like, oh, yeah, that does count now. Like there's one that has not been a trilogy, but up until recently, it's like, oh, shit, that's a trilogy now. So I get to I get the spot like that. So this is this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be neat. I, I have no idea what you're talking about there. Uh, we we <laughs> don't share we don't share our top fives with each other until literally we say them out loud. So I'm very curious to hear what you came with came up with. I got pretty creative. A couple of them are are definitely f- like fan made uh, trilogies, so I'm excited to talk about those and kind of explain why I agree with them being trilogies. But uh, yeah, I, I but I also have um, three pretty you know cut and dry definition of a trilogy. So this is gonna be awesome. Uh, I'll let you start uh, with your number five, and we'll just go back and forth like we always do. So uh, take it away. So this has been a two film series for uh, a good 30 years. Uh, There was a terribly uh, received remake of it that led to a rejuvenation in the old stuff. And thankfully, Jason Reitman delivered Ghostbusters. Ah, interesting. (laughs) Good. Okay, I like it. Ghostbusters 1984, Ghostbusters 2 1989, and Ghostbusters Afterlife 2021. All three fantastic, fun, great movies that are just delightful watches. And they're funny. They're The third one was very emotional and thankfully wiped the 2016 answer the call bullshit off the face of the earth. And um, yeah, so, so what was that? I never saw that one. It was a, a remake of Ghostbusters just with a female cast and a director who never liked Ghostbusters. Yeah, okay. I remember yeah, it was like Melissa McCarthy, right? Yeah. yeah. They were going to tease they teased like go uh Zool at the end of it and everyone was like we're not watching another one of these. Oh god. But yeah, there are there is a fourth film in development right now, but since there's no trailer yet, the film does not exist. That's my rule. The film does not exist till there's a trailer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and you get to shine a light on a, um, you know, a 2021 movie, Afterlife, you know, which is which is pretty pretty solid flick. Uh, I didn't even, yeah, I didn't even think about those. <laughs> yeah, I, I love these. Um, I watched Afterlife uh, pretty recently again, and it's, it holds up. It's, it's a, it's a cool movie and it's, it's well told. And uh, I like the, you know, passing of the torch, you know, Ivan's son, Jason doing the movie. It just, it works. Uh, and it's a wonderful tribute to Harold Ramis. 
Okay, yeah, that's 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 a good shout out. You know, rest in peace to Mr. Reitman, right? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely someone who 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 means a lot to to nerds of of move, you know, nerds of cinema. So those, that's good picks. If you had to pick a favorite of the three, what, what are you going with? Oh, it's the first one. Like that's not even okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, okay, I agree. I was just making sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that with all your trilogies. Which one's your favorite? You know, uh, I want to know as, yours as, too. Of course, yeah, of course, and I'll, I'll this. This this one will be easy because my number five is the uh, the Godfather trilogy. Oh, uh, yeah, the third one sucks. I know, I know, but the way I see it is, if I were doing averages of these movies as far as my personal ratings, the first one's a ten out of ten, just just pure masterpiece. The the second one I would give a nine out of ten, and the third one I'd probably get like a get like a five, maybe a <laughs> six. I don't I don't know, just not not very good. But those first two. It just doesn't really matter what comes after those first two. Uh, you know, they, they're 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 pretty pretty damn good movies, especially the first one. That's my favorite, of course. We covered it on this show. Uh, feels like I don't know six months ago now, and it was an absolute blast. It felt like one of the most important episodes we've ever done um, through Filmgasm. Just this monumental film that is always showing up on top ten list of all time, top one hundred list of all time. It's one of those kind of undisputed masterpieces, and part two is pretty damn good. You know, it's it's got it's got uh, Bobby De Niro putting in a really cool performance, uh, playing you know basically playing Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando playing De Niro. Like it's just it's just a cool uh, cinematic connection, a passing of the torch. And I've always just loved those two movies. The the third one's fine, but I did want to have this this trilogy um, in my in my list because it's, it, it's somehow still a trilogy. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked. They haven't done something to make a fourth film or, you know, they had the, they had the series, but it was about the making of uh, you know, the making of the movie, the offer. Uh, I still haven't watched that, but I'm glad, I'm glad they haven't done something like let's get Al Pacino back again. You know, I, I, I'm glad they haven't really done that, you know? So I'm, I'm happy to say it's still three movies. Well, yeah, the closest we got was that director's cut that they were that a uh, couple of released of the uh, third movie that I still haven't yeah. watched. Neither have I. I'm just not really that interested. Yeah. See, to me, it's like you're not going to make my top five unless it's three good movies. Yeah. And that, that's why The Godfather <laughs> didn't make it onto mine. That's why The Mummy didn't make it onto mine. I love The Mummy with all my heart, but I fucking hate Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. <laughs> that's fair. I, yeah. I, I don't like part three godfather part three i don't hate it but i don't like it but I, yeah i mean it might uh godfather the first one might be my favorite movie represented in my entire list of all you know of, of all the trilogies just yeah it felt i kept i kept trying to i was like should i put mighty ducks in there and i'm like austin what are you doing man like it's the godfather <laughs> <laughs> i get that um yeah, the first one's easily my favorite. I like two a lot. I just think it's way too long. And then three, I've seen like four times, and I don't remember anything about it. It does not stick. It's so forgettable. Uh, yeah, that's its, that's its main problem compared to those first two. Yeah. What I would have done is I would have scraped out all the De Niro stuff of Godfather 2, and I would have made that Godfather 3. I Yeah, I'm with you there. I, that could be its own movie, and some of those scenes are the best scenes of the whole of the whole story right it's de niro yeah. like yeah you know it's young de niro too it's like such a jaw-dropping thing to thing to watch um he's kind of at the peak of his powers in the 
mid seventies. Um, but I agree with you. I think that could be its own film and then you could still have enough in part two to have a really, really effective trilogy that would probably end up being number one on my list. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, if Robert Duvall hadn't demanded too much money, they, Coppola would have been able to do his original vision for Godfather 3. But that didn't happen, so he did what he did, and, you know, nepotism killed the franchise. <laughs> yeah, you know, we can always go back to, to old Robert Duvall on this one. Yeah, but at, at the same time, it's Robert Duvall. Just pay the man. Yeah, and it's not, it's not, just, it's not just, you know, fucking kicking and screaming robert duvall it's fucking yeah. 70s robert duvall you know like, tom hagan like yeah we want tom hagan in this story <laughs> yeah hagan hagan's hagan's the fucking man you know we want we want him putting horses heads on people you know like this is what <laughs> this is what the people the people come to see <laughs> okay good start interesting start i was not expecting that okay right on and 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 you know me anytime i can talk about uh fucking you know sunny you know uh james con like come on is that that performance alone in the in the first movie is worth is worth being being in my list <laughs> <laughs> totally get it yeah i can't wait to do godfather 2 probably next year yes definitely next year for a 50th anniversary uh best picture showdown fucking godfather part 2 versus chinatown baby can't wait <laughs> ah clash of the t- fucking titans uh Okay, my number four is the first of two superhero trilogies on my list. Uh, Spider-Man, but not the Raimi Spider-Man, the Holland Spider-Man. Okay, so this is, I didn't want to ask this. Yeah. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to know what you're going to put down. So these count. Yeah, because they're separate stories. They're separate Okay, yeah. so I could have I could have done the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah, of course. Ah, oh, shit. See, I thought because it was connected <laughs> to other stuff. Uh, nope. The Raimi Spider-Man okay. film standalone, the Garfield one standalone, and then the Holland one standalone, except for that third one, which decided to incorporate everything. But in terms of linear storytelling, they're they stand apart. That's that's the way I see it. Okay, I see the same way. I just didn't want to. Yeah. Okay, I got too creative. I- <laughs> because you know you know i i i like the tom holland ones but those first two Raimi ones like jesus h true but holland's got three bangers that are just delightful movies homecoming far from yeah. home and no way home especially no way home god what an event i still uh, don't like any of those better than one and two from Raimi. <laughs> that's just biased though it's just being you know when you're a kid and you see those those movies it is, but three is just so goofy, and yeah. I can't, I can't get past that. I've tried so many times. I'll watch it now without getting up, like you know, pissed off. But I, I don't see it as like one of the better Spider-Man movies. Whereas for me, oh, no. the John Watts, Tom Holland movies don't have a weak point. They're all three really, really good movies. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, you know, Vulture, Mysterio, and the closest we're gonna get to the Sinister Six. Fuck yeah. Um, and No Way Home is one of the most enjoyable theater experiences I've ever had. Just watching this incredible, impossible movie unfold before me. Like there's the idea that this even happened. I still think about it like, holy crap, we actually got to see that. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're going to be OK. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a it's a big moment in a big movie and a fantastic film that was you know, kind of 
helped save the box office after COVID because it proved that, you know, we can still make a billion dollars in the theater. And uh, yeah, I love those movies and I'm glad we have those. So your favorite's No Way Home, obviously. Yes. And then, and then what's, well, what about the other two? Homecoming probably next. Cause you know, Michael Keaton is the vulture is just inspired. I love Jake, but I, I feel like I've gotten to see so little of Michael Keaton over the years that anytime I get to see him, it's like, it's like a special moment. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And then, you I, know, Jake Gyllenhaal as a douchey Mysterio con man is just perfect. Yeah. I thought that casting was just like genius. Uh, it, and it kind of was ridiculous that Jake Gyllenhaal hadn't done something like that yet, that Marvel hadn't gone after him yet. Because he could he could have been Captain America. You know, he could have been plenty of villains. He he probably could do anything within the within the realm of, of MCU. So it was kind of crazy. That was like that's what they they got him for Mysterio. Like that was such a unique performance and really cool movie. I remember the first time I watched that where there's the twist. And it was really rewarding. I I really liked that one. Uh, I need I you know I need to see all those again. But yeah, uh, okay, yeah, I lo- I love that. I thought I thought these movies that like were like IP like kind of didn't count. So I'm I'm excited. <laughs> so so does Lord of the Rings count then or no? To me, it doesn't because it's all it's one story with was sim- like with members of the same cast. True, true. With, it's still know. like a prequel, The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Like with okay. Marvel, I kind of get, you know, like to me, Captain America is a trilogy. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so okay. Captain America, uh, like Winter Soldier and Civil War. Those are. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, I, now, now, now that I think about it. Um, yeah. I, I might've, I might, I might've changed a couple of my picks, but that's okay. Now we're going to have completely, <laughs> we're going to have completely different lists now, which is great. Yeah. These uh, are just so my rules. Like you don't, you don't have to abide by these. These are just how I, what I do. Okay. Well, here's, here's, here's one of my rules for my number four. Let's see what you think about it. <laughs> um, uh, on, on the criterion channel and part of the criterion collection is a trilogy put together by director, Finnish director, Aki Karasmaki. Uh, the Proletariat Trilogy, Shadows in Paradise, Ariel, and uh, Match Factory Girl. Three separate stories, all about the working class people in Finland, and it has been dubbed the Proletariat Trilogy, it, to, to the point where they have built a, uh, a, a little collection of the three movies that you can buy on Criterion for like 80 bucks, and it's the Proletariat Trilogy. So you get this nice case, has that on there, has, you know, Aki Karasmaki on it, and he's like a Finnish legend. These movies rule. My favorite's Ariel by far is so intense. Uh, my favorite thing about these movies is none of them are over like 85 minutes. All three of them are like so fast, so fun. There's not a ton going on. You you kind of know where you are, you know, like what's what characters you're following. And I just have I had an absolute blast. I watched all three of them like in a week. Uh, back when I first signed up for Criterion, because uh, I had never seen anything by by Aki, and I, I know he's got a ton of stuff in his filmography that I, I still need to get to. So, uh, Proletariat trilogy, really, really something I wanted to want wanted to highlight because uh, I want to go back, want to go to the bat for those movies. That's interesting. Yeah, you went thematic. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Thematic trilogies are are complicated you know some people consider them trilogies some people don't i i I do 
I went thematic on my number three pick. We'll get to that in a minute. Good. Okay, sweet. Uh, but yeah, I remember what you, uh, uploading your reviews of these films and you were in, you were very into these. You, you really liked them. Uh, yeah, I like that you've kind of just been doing like little pockets of various countries cinema over the years. That's that's a that's a cool project. It's it's kind of like <clears throat> I've always been a huge, huge, uh, you know, basketball and, and, and soccer fan. And a, a good way for me to connect with people from different from different places. Like when I lived in Romania, uh, I would talk to people about different Romanian soccer players because we didn't I didn't know their language and they don't know mine. So like our way of communicating, breaking down that wall with, with, with sports. As I've gotten older, now I want that to be sports and movies. You know, I want to be able to, if I did run into a guy from Finland, I would definitely ask him if he's, you know, watching this guy's movies and what he thinks about them. Uh, and that's, I think that's, that's like part of the reason we do it, you know, is you branch out, you watch different things, and now you have a way to connect with other human beings better than you did before. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, that's that's what art does. Art connects. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah, it's one of the, one of the coolest things uh, about being alive. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and my number three pick is one of my favorite things about being alive. Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy. Okay, good, good. I'm glad this is here. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Three fantastic comedies that just get better with every watch all three tens for me i i i I love these movies um shawn of the dead was you know the horror comedy hot fuzz with the action comedy and world's end was the sci-fi comedy uh all with the theme of the cornetto ice cream cone popping up in all three in all three films uh hot fuzz is probably my favorite i think it's one of the most brilliant screenplays i've ever seen just the way it keeps flip-flopping the dialogue from beginning to end with different meanings and everything comes back a little bit. It's, it's so smart. And uh, plus all the bad guys are, you know, British thespians, which I love. And uh, I get to hear Edward Woodward, you know, classically trained British actor, say one of my favorite movie lines of all time, which is if we don't come out, if we don't come down hard on these clowns, we're going to be up to our balls and jugglers. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh... (laughs) fucking perfect <laughs> yeah that's yeah. brilliant those are great uh, yeah. i watch those like every few months just for kicks because they're they're so they're some of my favorite films yeah they're an absolute blast there's no weak link here for me um <laughs> if i had to pick a favorite it, it shockingly it'd actually be the world's end i oh right on. i think i think that one is just so goddamn funny i love the the kind of bark you know pub crawl aspect of it uh watching sean just be a fucking you know drunk animal is 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 the best. So I uh, saw so I that's the only one I got to see in theaters, uh, and I uh, yeah I I really like these. I don't watch them as much as you do, but I, I always <laughs> respond to them. You know what I mean? Uh, and they've been they've been my brother Jeremy. He's he owned these from you know a young age and was all about it. You know uh, Simon Pegg was one of his heroes. So this yeah it's a really good pick here. Yeah, I've gotten to do. Uh, I did some movie parties at Draft House, so I, I have gotten to see all three of these in theaters. Nice, and that that was just the blast. And my cousins are really into these. Like they become, you know, we like we'll quote it at each other all the time. Uh, yeah, fantastic. I couldn't do a trilogy top five without these. 
Yeah, I, I figured this was coming. I just didn't know, you know, I, obviously the, the 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 three flavor thing, you know, that like you said with the ice cream is or that's how it's all tied together. And the fact that it's same director, same actors, you know, it's yeah. he's he's using the same people. So uh that's yeah, that's totally totally fair. And I yeah, I expected it even to be higher. I thought this would be your number number two behind, obviously, you know. We know I, I know what's coming. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to stay in Europe here for a minute. Um, you know, you're, you, you, we, we've done a little, little Finland action, done, done a little, a little bit of the Brits. Uh, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Sweden for the, the millennium trilogy. <laughs> uh, I got the girl with the dragon tattoo girl who played with fire and the girl who kicked the hornet's nest. Uh, I saw these at probably too young of an age just because I didn't quite understand what, what, you know, what was exactly going on. There's some pretty dark stuff. In these movies, this is uh you know, movies based on the the novels by by Stieg Larsson. Um, Steig Steig, I've heard pronounced both ways. I'm sorry. Rest in peace to that guy. He he died a few years back. Uh, but I've read the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, fucking fantastic book. I saw the Fincher movie, and then I was like, wait, there's a whole actual Swedish you know trilogy here. I need to, I need to see these. So my my older brother Jeremy and I we watched them all in. I was pretty, pretty, pretty blown away. Um, I, my favorite's probably the girl put with fire, the second one, which is rare, right? It's rare that the the middle <laughs> child is 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 my favorite, but I, I I like all three for their own reasons. They they all have a very different purpose to to the trilogy. You know, Dragon Tattoo. If you've seen the Fincher one, it's very close to the the, the Swedish one, where it's kind of a you know detective type movie. Uh, you're kind of following these two different characters who are who are trying to trying to figure out a, a murder. Uh, the second one very much hones in on Lisbeth Slander uh, and like why she is the way she is. Goes into like her family and whatnot and how how like kind of like disgusting her family was towards her. And the last one is about kind of her her trial uh, against against the country that she lives in that 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 wants to put her um, in like an insane asylum. And she won't have it. And it's very, very rewarding to get through those three movies. They are very dark, but they're very good. And uh, I, I knew right away when we were doing trilogies, I was like, yeah, I got to have the Millennium on there because this is, this was huge for me when I was like 14, 15 years old and has stuck with me. Yeah, I got to get to these. I, I finally watched the Fincher version of Dragon Tattoo, and I thought it was great, fucking horrific, but great. Um. And yeah, I, I would like to watch these as well. I will have to do that once I have some time. Yeah, yeah, they are long. It's not not a not a quick watch. You probably don't want to do it all in one day, you know. Uh, be a be a dark day. <laughs> <laughs> but but that but that's the you know. I, I also know you 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 watch stuff that's not quite easy to stomach all the time, and you know right. we're we're desensitized. But yeah, I do I do think I think the thing you'll really really enjoy about this one is uh, this trilogy is. Uh, might be pronouncing her name incorrectly, but Numi Rapace. I don't know how to say it. Uh, you've seen her in other random shit, you know, like yeah. uh, she was in that, she was in uh, fucking, what was it, Prometheus or one of the alien movies? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, she was in Sherlock Holmes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She pops up every every now and again. Uh, she's amazing. She plays Elizabeth Slander just wonderfully. Uh, I love Rini Mara, but there's just something about an actual Swedish woman playing playing Elizabeth that makes a little more sense. Yeah, of course. 
I like when cultures get to adapt their own work their in their own way too. Yeah. Yeah. That that's one of the things that probably has it going against it as a, as, as far as quality goes is they got made really fast mm. and they sometimes to some people might feel like TV movies as far as just like production quality. That doesn't, doesn't really bother me i've watched low low budget stuff you know and yeah. stuff stuff that i really like but like dragon tattoo fincher you're not going to get the same fucking just hmm. epic epic you know style and editing and and uh just pure budget you know he got tons of money to make that movie this is a little different so if you're expecting you know fincher stuff you know turn the other turn the other way it's, it ain't happening <laughs> yeah good good uh warning there but uh, yeah, I don't really, you know, production value is secondary to story for me. So I'm sure I'll, I'll enjoy it. Yeah, you'll, yeah, you'll, you'll have fun then. What's your number two? My number two is the Dark Knight trilogy. Okay. Okay. Here we are. <laughs> so, so this is your second uh, superhero one. So you do not have Captain America uh, in your top five. So it's the, it's the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. The, you know, kind of the definitive cinematic Batman for a lot of people. Uh, three, in my opinion, fantastic superhero films, an all-star cast, a, an understanding of Batman uh, in a way we've never gotten before. Just seeing him as a, a flawed human trying to do what's right is is great. I love I love seeing that. I love Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. His Batman leaves a bit to be desired, but, you know. Liam Neeson, Killian Murphy, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, and Tom Hardy all make up for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, T- Tom Wilkinson being on the top, being at the top of that fucking list. Uh, you know, <laughs> what a <laughs> what, what a guy. You know, yeah. Oh yeah, Falcone, so great. Um, yeah, I love. You know, you get to see the origins of Batman, his tutelage under Ra's al Ghul. You know, his fight with the Joker and then finally, you know, basically a no man's land adaptation with Bane and Talia. And I think they're all great. I love all three of these movies to death. Uh, My favorites, probably Batman Begins. But honestly, it depends on the day. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'll I'll catch a glimpse of Heath Ledger's Joker and I'll be like, oh, no, it's the Dark Knight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I hear that for sure. I. I definitely think my favorite part of the trilogy is, you know, it's not anything original to say, but it's definitely, definitely watching Heath Ledger. Uh, my favorite scene from the whole trilogy is the opening scene of Dark Knight, the height, the heist um, scene. I wish there was a two-hour movie of just that happening over and over and over. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Batman Begins as a movie is definitely the strongest. I think Dark Knight, when Heath Ledger's not on screen, struggles at times. Uh, just because he's just way better than everybody, than every, than everybody. I do think Aaron Eckhart's pretty good. I wish he would have got a little more time as, um, you know, the one of the cooler villains of the whole, you know, Batman world. Um, and uh, I hate to say it, but I think Maggie Gyllenhaal is pretty shitty in um, in that second one. Uh, just like it just takes me down, takes me out of it, and, and it's like I hate. We just talked about this Back to the Future last night. I hate hate recasting in the middle of a yeah. trilogy. Like I, I hate it. I can't stand it. Especially when it looks like nothing like Katie Holmes, like nothing. And I'm just expected to like, just go along with it, you know? And that's what people did. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I hate to, I hate to put points against 
Christopher Nolan's trilogy, but it's like, ah, that's fucking annoying. The third one, I have a very hard time with. Uh, I really like some aspects of it. Some aspects I don't like. I hate. I hate to be the guy who's hating on women right now, but I don't <laughs> think Anne. Ha- I don't think Anne Hathaway is very good in the third one either. Uh, I love Anne Hathaway. You know, uh, from like that famous Key and Peele sketch. You know, Anne Hathaway's. <laughs> How are they going to do her like that? I I, I love her, <laughs> but it's the it's the it's like the constant one liners. It's the constant uh, like oh kind of hamming it up a little too much. I thought um, Zoe Kravitz did a much better job of kind of balancing out the like corniness of the comic book stuff. And then also having like a down to earth, real, you know, grounded character. Uh, I thought Anne Hathaway just didn't quite have that balance that I wanted, but Tom Hardy is quite fucking uh, frightening in that one. That's the, that's the thing it has going for it. This trilogy is, is those villains, you know, is the first movie, the, the combination of Wilkinson and, and Murphy uh, and of course, you know, Liam Neeson at the end, uh, Heath Ledger just completely running the show and then Aaron Eckhart at the end and, and then Tom Hardy just being a fucking monster of a human being like that, that's worth rewatching over and over and over. Yeah, you're right. And I do. Um, I think, yeah, Katie Holmes and Maggie Gyllenhaal for me, both were miscast. Uh, I think, yeah, we needed somebody. Who, who, who? Who's who, who, who should, who should have been 2005 for, I would probably Amy Adams. I would have gone with. Oh, I didn't even think about her, but yeah, that's like right when she was getting, getting going. That's, you know, 2006, she's in June bug. So that's like when she became a proper actress. Oh man, that would have been killer timing for Amy Adams. Plus take her for the Nolan trilogy, take her out of the super Superman movies. I don't know. I think that might bode better for her, her career. Uh, I, I like that a lot. That's a good call. I was thinking kind of changing it up at 2005. I think it would have been cool if they would have gone like Naomi Harris. Oh, yeah. What I also would have done, I would have erased the character of Rachel Dawes completely and replaced her with Vicki Vale and actually put a comic book character in the movie. <laughs> that too, that too. Vicki Vale, Vicky vale is a... Uh... Is is someone that yeah I, I you know I really like reading about so I think yeah that would be and that could be you know that's also something you could have fun casting right so there's all kinds of people that could play Vicky Vale and 2005 I feel like Amy Adams could also do Vicky Vale yeah or just have it be Selena Kyle from the get go and Brit make her Catwoman in like three you know two or three maybe she fakes her death and becomes Catwoman okay that 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 I can roll with because I think if you give Anne Hathaway the the space in the room that Michelle Pfeiffer had to develop into the character, like over the course of the movie, I th- I think it can be more effective, especially if you give her a whole trilogy. Like Anne Hathaway, super talented, mega talented. If you give her Batman Begins to just be a love interest, and then maybe in Dark Knight she starts to kind of, you know, something happens and she becomes Catwoman. By the third movie, you get the one liner kind of like almost handing it up because we deserve it as audience members. Like we, like it, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that would have been cool. And Hathaway could have been in the whole trilogy. That would have been neat. Yeah. The dark Knight trilogy is not without its flaws. It's got, you know, some, some big things, but the films are so goddamn enjoyable that I just, I look, I overlook a lot of that stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's Nolan. It's one of the, the 
production guys, one of the big budget guys that we have that can do whatever he wants making superhero movies and and doing pretty damn good at it. So it is a it is a very special moment. And and you have to credit Batman Begins and Dark Knight for a lot of the you know success that superhero movies have had over the past two, you know, two decades. It's not the only reason, but it's a big reason, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, without Batman Begins, I think the Academy probably doesn't begin to recognize superhero movies as legitimate cinema for quite a while. That's yeah, that's totally fair, which is which is sad. I, I yeah, you, you gotta you gotta give credit to the Incredibles for screenplay and <laughs> and, and Batman Begins. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's great. Exactly. Uh well, 2004, 2005. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh okay. Dark Knight trilogy, you're number two. All right, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Uh, my number two. I'm very excited to talk about this one. It was almost my number one. I love these three movies with all my heart. They're all three nines straight across the board. It's the Paranoia Trilogy from the 70s. Uh, Clute, The Parallax View, and All the President's Men. (laughs) (laughs) All of them, you know, close to masterpieces for me. Everything, every person in these movies, you know, uh, Sutherland and, and Fonda and Clute, Jesus H., you know, they're on a different level. It's probably my favorite Jane Fonda performance. I'm a big, big fan of hers. Uh, so, you know, I'm really into that one. I know you got to see that not too long ago for the first time. And I was just so jazzed that you, that you went down that, that, that alley. Yeah. I really liked Clute. I loved all the president's men. Um, yeah, God. I got, I got to see the parallax view uh, to finish this off, but yeah, good, good shout out there. I forgot about that one. Yeah, it's it's the best, man. You know, and, and and we've talked about Warren Beatty on this show before. The Parallax View is the movie that maybe made me totally believe in him as a performer because uh, I wasn't wasn't totally sold on some of the stuff I had seen so far. I, I like him, but I don't I don't see the you know the critical acclaim that he has. Yeah, I'm starting to understand it more after watching the Parallax View. He's just lights out. He really carries the movie. Uh Whereas these other ones, it's, you know, it's, it's fucking, uh, you know, two, two major, major players, you know, and, and all the president's men were, were, were with two of like the greatest fucking rock stars ever <laughs> during that movie, Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. Uh, and then Jane Fonda and, and Sutherland uh, include Parallax View is really carried by, by Warren Beatty. And I have to give him credit for that. Uh, just, yeah, I, these, these movies, these movies rule all three of them directed by Alan J. Uh, Pakula, and he, you know, is is an incredible, you know, writer, director, producer. Means a lot to this era of of movies. Uh, my favorite era for sure. My favorite decade in the seventies, and you know, this is nineteen seventy one, nineteen seventy four, nineteen seventy six. Like this is a tight five year trilogy that deals with uh, you know conspiracies and paranoia and trying to you know figure out figure out what's going on around you. You know, and I think. I do think my favorite at the end of the day, my favorite's probably all the president's men. You just can't beat it. You just can't, you just can't, you know, uh, it also is a very fascinating story on its own. Yeah. You know, the, the, you know, scan scandals, the, uh, Richard Nixon, that, that, that bastard, uh, it's, <laughs> it's got, it's just got it on paper, got a lot of cool stuff going on. And then you add in, the cast that's here and it's just it's just fucking nuts it's lights out uh prime i love you know I, hoffman and redford together is like a it's like a dream but the 
the Oscar nominated performance from Jason Robards, rest in peace. That guy was the fucking man. His performance in that movie is textbook supporting come in fucking take over every scene that you're in. And uh, I love, I love him in this movie. Ned Beatty's great in this movie. Uh, Hal Holbrook's great in this movie. Uh, Jack yeah. Warden. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's, it's just a fucking man's movie. <laughs> you know, everyone's just, you know, lights out. So I, I, I love that one. I just rewatched it a few months ago and I forgot. I was just like, man, this movie, damn, this might, it, it's, it's 1976 is one of my favorite best picture years. You got, you know, Rocky, uh, Taxi Driver, you know, All the President's Men is just a, awesome year for 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 movies and sometimes i'm like all the presidents men should have won <laughs> you know sometimes <laughs> I, I sometimes i have it. fucking network was up that year it's just a sick best picture group and uh you know usually i go to bat for taxi driver but i don't know today it's all <laughs> the president's men <laughs> yeah that's i love you know the watergate scandal is such a fascinating story just because you know one guy one asshole leaves the door unlocked and it, it and it evolves into the biggest political scandal we've ever had in this country. Well, so far, but uh, yes, yeah, we got yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was one about Nixon. You never tried to overthrow the goddamn government, but uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I love this movie. My only gripe is that it ends right when I wanted like I was hoping to see the trials. I wanted to see them take these fuckers down, but uh, we never yeah. got that movie. But this is about it, them. It's not about. Nixon it's about Woodward and Bernstein and their investigations and I get I get that but like I just wanted an eight-hour documentary <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of oh, man I, I was, I've been thinking more about how movies end not so much oh like they stuck the landing but more so leaving you leaving you desiring more and I know we're going to get to your number one trilogy here in a minute that is my favorite part of about, about Back to the Future One is when it ends. You're like, I I need more, but goddamn, that was just a diamond. You know, it was just cut like a fucking diamond. That movie. And if it if there was never a trilogy, if there was never a sequel, it still would be just perfect. Just because the way it ends, it it can stay where it is, and you're kind of like, yeah, you know, Doc and Marty keep going on adventures, and like we have no idea. Or it could keep going, and it keeps going, and it's you know extremely successful. That's like that's the best. All the President's Men could have could have kept going. It could have been a sequel. There could have been a sequel to that motherfucker. But they also left it the right way, where it's like, damn, that was that was that was a good movie. But I could keep going for another hour. Like that's that's yeah. good filmmaking. That's like a really. It's not ambiguous. It's just leaving you kind of like still hungry a little bit. So you're like, ah, I don't know what to do. So what you do do is you end up going online and like reading about it or re-watching the movie it's it's such a powerful feeling yeah as much as i would have loved all the president's horses yeah i <laughs> i don't need it but the movie did inspire i, I went out and i bought the book because i want to read the book i want to read like exactly there you what go. got left out how did, like the intricate process of you know how carefully they they went about this because you know this was like they screwed anything up this all falls apart uh it's yeah it's fascinating it's one of my i i want to do it on fake true stories uh, big time Ooh, oh that would be an ambitious episode i love that yeah going into watergate well that'll be a, a challenging one so down the road that we're gonna do that I, li- I like that a lot i think that's really really unique uh yo this all the president's men is one of those movies that we could do on multiple shows just because it kind of knocks out different things that we're all interested in you know uh, 
I feel like everybody on the film gasm team would like this movie. Oh yeah. That's that goes without saying for sure. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good shit. Paranoid trilogy. If you haven't seen those movies, please, please check them out. Do, do yourself a favor and go down the the seventies road of paranoia. Uh, all right. Take it away. Number one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know what yours is too. Uh, yeah, we're both about to get pretty personal here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you know me at all, then you know that it's Back to the Future. I mean, come on, I have had loyalty to this movie since before I could walk. Yeah, this this is a perfect trilogy. It wasn't even supposed to be a trilogy. This was just supposed to be a one-off. But the first one was such an insane success. Universal wanted another one. See, okay, and- I knew it. You could, you could feel it. You can feel at the end, they're like, well, that was nice. We wrapped that thing up, but they still left the door open, just ajar. Yeah, it's crazy how difficult Back to the Future's road to production was. You know, it took forever for somebody to believe in this. And it took Steven Spielberg watching Romancing the Stone to say, all right, I'm going to I'm going to help these guys. And here we are. Uh, yeah, I, I think all three are are fun, are really well written. Um Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd's chemistry just grows. And I love them playing multiple characters in each movie. Yeah. Uh, especially part two. Part two is loaded with multiple performances. You know, Fox plays regular Marty, then Marty Jr., then old Marty, and Marty Jr.'s sister Marlene. All Michael J. Fox. I I love that. Um yeah, it's a they're they're I watch these every few months just because why not? Um uh, I've seen all three of these over a hundred times, at least Uh, they're my all time favorite movies. And honestly, I could never say enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, where do you go from here? You know, it's one of those sometimes stuff just, you know, when you, when your head hits the pillow, you're like, at least I have these, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's one of those things. And I totally understand. Um, I I hear, I hear that. I see the passion uh, just, it doesn't even need to be anything you say. I can just tell when these movies get brought up, there's just like a glow. <laughs> there's a glow. There's a, there's a glow about you. There's a, there's a, just a, a, an innate, innate thing where you're, where you can't hold back. You're just like, yeah, I fucking love these. You'll ride for them no matter what. I, yeah, <laughs> he's got a t-shirt on. He's <laughs> got the fucking back to the future t-shirt on. Uh, I, I love that, that they stuck with, for the most part, pretty much the same cast. Uh, Zemeckis, bang, 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 doing doing all, all the legwork as far as, you know, directing here, it, right? I know he does the first two. He does the third one, right? Zemeckis directed all three, and then he and Bob Gale co-wrote all three. There you go. Makes sense, right? You know, uh, there's never a time where you're like, ah, oh, this isn't, this isn't Back to the Future. You know, you, <laughs> you, you feel, you feel you're in the right place the whole time. My favorite one is the first one by, by, by a ways. I think that one is just outstanding. And, one of the eighties movies, one of, one of the quintessential, you have to see like American movie making. You have to see it. It's right up there with, you know, uh, you know, Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, movies like that where you're like, you just, you got to see it. You got to see it to kind of see the movie magic. I like the second one. I haven't seen the third one in a while. I am going to watch it soon though. Cause I like, why not? You know, I've already watched the first two. So it's been fun going back down that road. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't seen back to the future since we did it on episode like 20 of this show so it's been a long time you know that's that's a that's a long time ago for me and I, i've had a blast I've had a blast this week just going to these movies uh so 
it's great. It's great to be able to do these. It's going to be cool that you get to knock out part two here in a little while. We're going to give awards out to it. Really hone in on what we like. We're going to look at the, the, the ceremony. And then on Wednesday, you get to talk about part three. So like, fuck. Yeah. That's That's a great, great space for you to be in. Yeah. I'm psyched. I'm, I'm delighted. Uh, it's always fun when we get to talk about our, you know, our lifelong favorites. The episodes are just, you know, it's almost like we can't stop talking. <laughs> yeah. Or, or for me, it's like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so, I don't know what to say. Uh, that's certainly, I feel the same way you do about Back to the Future as my number one. It's the, the before trilogy. You know, I'm going I, with Link. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with my guy Link later. Um, you know, these, yeah, these are, these shatter me. These movies break my break my brain break my heart uh i don't i i i just just go watch them you know i don't know what to say um my favorite one's the first one before sunrise uh partly because it's the one i saw where i was like the fuck is this you know like you can you can do that there's a romance there's a romance movie that's the way i would make a movie uh if i were making a love story like this is what i would do and that's my favorite thing about link later is he is constantly constantly on like a wavelength that I, that I, that's what I would be doing. If I could make a movie, I would fucking totally want to make boyhood. I would totally want to make school of rock. I would totally want to make dazed confused. Everybody wants some slacker. Everything he does for me is fucking gold. I, I, I very much treat him the same way you treat Zemeckis where it's like, fuck off. This is mine, you know? And, and there's nothing you can tell me that's like wrong. <laughs> you know, every, everything he does is, is, is gold. I don't want to hear any, you know, I don't want to hear otherwise. So I, yeah, I love, I love, 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 love this trilogy. Uh, one day we'll go down that, 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 that road and, and, you know, do before midnight on Oscar Sunday. I'm sure it's a tough, tough movie. It like, wouldn't be that much fun to do. <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, a, a relationship imploding, you know, and like very, very real serious arguments that make you very uncomfortable. Uh, but it's so worth it. Getting there is so worth it because of the the time that you spend, the patience that Linklater has, that Ethan Hawke has, uh, Julie Dupley, that they have for these movies, you know, 1995, 2004, 2013, same people, you know, same relationship, same life. It's fucking crazy. So, I, I can't believe he has that in him to just see that through with not only this trilogy, but with also boyhood, you know, um, that's something I admire. And I don't think very, very many filmmakers have in their, in their arsenal is that kind of patience. So love you link later. You're always going to be number, my number one in this, uh, the paranoia trilogy is the only one that could come close, but this is, this is cool, man. This is fun. Uh, you went with the ghostbusters trilogy for number five. Uh, the Tom Holland Spider-Man trilogy for number four, Edgar Wright's Cornetto uh, trilogy for number three, Dark Knight trilogy for number number two, and Back to the Future for number one. I, in reality, Back to the Future would be my number five, but I knew you were going to have it. So I was like, let's shine a light. We have completely different lists, which I love. We got to highlight 10 different trilogies. I think that's good. So I went with Godfather trilogy for my number five, the Proletariat trilogy for number four, Millennium Trilogy for number three, Paranoia Trilogy for number two, and the Before uh, Series Trilogy for number one. So that, those are those lists define me and you <laughs> as, as movie fans. That's my favorite thing about these top fives. I uh, I nearly had the Before Trilogy at my number five. 
but I left it off because I knew you would. Have. You did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing this for a while. <laughs> I gotta say though, I my favorite is before sunset. The middle one. I, the middle yeah, one. I mean, they're all great. They're like all tens for me. Yeah. I just love the. I've always loved the idea of second chances, especially when it comes to love. And you know, the one that got away, meeting her again, and what you would do. I, I love that, and that movie encapsulates that fucking perfectly. Yeah, it really does. It it it's such a obviously such like a romantic idea that ten years down the road you run into someone in a foreign country and you're like, oh my god, I have to say something. Yeah. Even even if I'm married <laughs> and have and have a whole life back where I'm from. I have to I have to seize this moment. You know, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. Uh and Ethan Hawk, man, you know, you just Jesse. Fucking Jesse. I love that guy so much. He goes from total prick in the first 10 minutes where he's like just quoting, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm a smart college guy, you know, and the first <laughs> movie to, to to where you're like, I really feel for this guy, you know? And then in the third one, you're like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut the hell up you know you're like you, you just you feel every emotion that he has uh it's, it's incredible yeah reminds me of one of my favorite beatles lyrics from the song uh i'm looking through you love has a nasty habit of disappearing overnight mm. Like, mm. well said well said yeah <laughs> well said that's cool that's cool because you remember in in boyhood there's the moment of when he's explaining to his son like yeah. about the about the beatles <laughs> Yeah, the Black Album, that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I carefully selected these songs. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know, you you hear the solo stuff. There's Ringo. Oh, my God, there's Paul. He's like, all of a sudden, it's the Beatles. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, that's the thing about them. There is no weak link. <laughs> Such a dad moment, you know, where you're just, you're just going to bat for something you love. And your son's like, yeah, dad. All right. <laughs> cool. Uh, good shit, man. This is this is fun. This is one of the more more rewarding top fives we've done in a while. Yeah, I agree. We really got to explore a lot of different stuff here, and uh, yeah, good, good, uh, good kind of appetizer for this one. Yeah, speaking of appetizer, right? You know, Back to the Future is the is the main course here. Back to the Future Part Two is what we'll, what we will be uh, what we'll be eating today. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. I uh, watched this last night. We're recording on Saturday during the day. We never do this. It's very weird to see light outside uh, <laughs> as we're recording. Uh, we, we just, this is very rare. Uh, I can't remember the last time we did this during the day. It's usually fucking super late at night on Friday or Saturday night. And yeah, this is, this is odd. But, uh, you know, we, we, we adjust and Connor always is uh, very flexible with all of our personal lives and what we, what we have going on. I'm going to go see a concert tonight. So they were like, yeah, we got to knock this out during the day. And I kind of like it. I've kind of feel energized right now. I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, it's because you're not like coming off a, you know, eight hour shift and you're <laughs> super winded. And I know I'm trying to not fall asleep. That That's why we feel energetic. Yeah. And I, I had a nice uh, cup of coffee from this place called caffeinated delicious stuff here in San Antonio. Uh, and I'm ready to talk about Back to the Future Part 2. I, I forgot how much I liked this one, how much fun it is. Uh, I think, I, think I, I give so much credit to the first movie. The second one, it's, it's very layered, right? You know, you got, you got the, the 55 
1955 stuff. You got the alternate 1985 stuff. If you if you can you know watch it a couple times and keep up, it's very rewarding to kind of go through go through this jaunt. The most incredible thing about it is it's still like an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> like, thank you, Zemeckis. Like, there's something that these '80s movies understood more than they do now. Like, you don't have to be two and a half fucking hours. You, know, you, you can you can you can be wit fast and and still have fun and explain a lot of stuff by having a good screenplay, and that's what we have here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people's problems with the second movie is that it, there's so much crammed into it. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, like you know, we first we got 2015, then we got the alternate 85, then we got 55, and I get that. But to me, you know, I've seen this so many times. Like it's just fluid. Like I don't even like it's seamless for me. Like I'm I have no problem keeping up with this shit. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just think it's a very creative screenplay. I like the idea of like, you know, yeah, if you went back in time to give yourself gambling tips and you fucked up, you're going to cause some serious damage. Yeah, I I love that. You know, uh, the sports almanac. Uh, I think that's such a cool touch on. On this, you know, it's such a it's such a realistic thing that people would do. Uh it, it feel it feels human and in a movie that's so grand and has such a huge scale they could have done anything but the story goes there it's such a unique place to go but i, I don't know it's like my favorite part of the movie is because that, that's what i would fucking do too i'd be like yeah let me fucking yeah bet, bet on sports come on <laughs> that's one of my favorite things about these films is that marty you know our our hero our like you know the guy we're connected to is just this regular 16 year old kid who's like holy shit i'm traveling through time and never like he never loses that like wonder that grandiose like I should not be here kind of feeling. And when he gets the opportunity to be like, I could make myself rich like we all would. He's like, I'm going to buy that book. I don't know how he bought that book. He doesn't like I don't think he's got a credit card valid in that 2015. But, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> maybe that 50 dot gave him for the Pepsi. <laughs> um but um, yeah, yeah, yeah here, I love the I love the money scene when he like opens up and he's got all these different years of different different cash. <laughs> fucking Christopher Lloyd, I, I we just yeah, Christopher Lloyd's the fucking man. Uh, okay, my I'm gonna get this out of the way and hear okay. what you hear hear what you think about this. Tom Wilson, love him as Biff. In 2015, is he going a little too hard? Is he going a little too hard at it? You mean as Griff? Yeah, as Griff, yeah. <laughs> well, they said, you know, the way I saw it was Doc said, you know, he's got a few short circuits in his bionic implants. So I assumed the bionic implants made him like super hyper aggressive. And he's just like constantly, you know, he's got the tannin DNA, which already makes him an asshole. And then yeah. he's got, you know, robot brain parts. And I assume he's just like constantly at 11, freaking the fuck out at everything. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't see a problem with that. Yeah, I was just like, dude, fuck. like he's like <laughs> just growling, <laughs> like, uh, like the scene at the, in the diner. Uh, when yeah, I'm just like, dude, fucking Tom Wilson is like going for it right now. <laughs> and and I, I love, I love Tom Wilson. The first time I was introduced to him was was Freaks and Geeks when I was young. When I was younger, like um, he's the PE teacher. In that huh. TV show, uh, and I, I love him in that show. And of course, I was like, okay, yeah, he's also the guy from Back to the Future. Uh, he, he's just fucking turned all the way up <laughs> in, in in part two. Uh, obviously, Biff, like you said, you know, in the first one, uh, 
and the second one is is just a complete dickhead. Uh, like we are, you know, what are you looking at, butthead? But uh, yeah, as Griff, I was just like, Jesus, man, he's like, he's. I mean, it's like he's got like, yeah, he's got he's got screws loose. Yeah, he's crazy. And also, I think you know Wilson had to do something to separate Griff from the other iterations of of Biff Tan, and he's going to play. So to make Griff stand out, I think he just went like, "What if Griff is the psycho?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's like well, because Biff's already at ten. Yeah, you can't you can't go down. <laughs> no, you can't uh, you can't be like a boring version of of the Tannins. You know, you can't be like a nerdy version of of the Tannins. You know, you 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 got you got to you got to go higher than Biff. So that was really the only place to go. I was just I was laughing. I was like, "Oh my yeah. god, Tom Wilson, dude." You're, you're fucking going for it. The way it is for me, Biff is the asshole. Griff is the psycho. And Mad Dog in part three is evil. So. Yeah, quite, yeah, quite evil. Yeah. Uh, although although Biff in alternate 1985, like Pleasure Paradise or whatever, pretty evil. Pretty evil motherfucker. Well, when you're going to base your bad guy off of 80s Donald Trump, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I love that scene though. I love when they first get there and like you got all the motorcycle, uh, the motorcyclist guys, and uh, I just yeah, I think it's like such a breathtaking scene. The, the 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 best part of these movies is the visual effects, the production design, all of the movie making that's happening, the commitment to the uh, the hoverboard scene at the beginning when he's riding on the water and they all cl- crash into the glass. It's like they didn't need to do that, but it's, but. It, they went that extra, you know, extra, extra mile yeah. to make it that much more engaging. You know, there's, there's, there's no way for you to look away while watching back to the future. Cause there's always something interesting happening on screen. And that's just, just kind of the magic of it. You know, uh, I can't, can you imagine seeing this movie in theaters in the eighties? Like, fuck <laughs> that scene where he, they all fly into the courthouse. I, I always get a kick out of Griff screaming, I was framed as he's being dragged yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love the little details, the little moments, especially in part two, because there's so many cool things that they kind of predicted would happen in the future. Like Miami almost did win the World Series in 2015. Okay. And the Cubs won the World Series in 2016. That's that's pretty crazy. That's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fortune teller shit. Um Flat screen TVs, the Nikes, yeah, like yeah, people wore those 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 big giant fucking high top Nikes. People love those shoes. Yeah, it's weird. Um, nostalgia cafes, that's a big thing now. Yeah. Um, one one detail that always kind of made me a little sad was in the um the newspaper that Doc shows Marty. Like, this is what happens to your son. There's an article on the side that says Queen Diana uh, prepares visit to America. Ooh. Because that hadn't happened yet, and people assume, you know, we assumed Elizabeth would be gone by 2015, and that certainly didn't happen. That's tough. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's weird. There's there's little things like that uh, throughout, and uh, I love that. Yeah. Again, that's that's uh, a reason why you can rewatch it over and over and over. Is those those things? There's always something to look at. So yeah. God, man, this movie's kick ass. I'm beyond excited to do these awards, man. Um, it, you know, part of me wishes we would have waited a little longer for Back to the Future, <laughs> just just because like we're so much more comfortable now uh, doing this stuff. 
But at the same time, that felt like a very crucial episode in our, our kind of uh, passion as far as Oscar Sunday goes. It, it, it feels like one of the tentpole episodes of this show where th- things just kind of started changing around that time on this show specifically. And oh, I don't know, something tells me that doing your favorite movie has, has, a, lot, you know, has a lot to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I could have you know, done a podcast on Back to the Future when I was eight. But yeah, it was just yeah. a long time coming. My an entire life's worth of memories and things to talk about were just poured into that one, and are going to be poured into this one as well. So anytime yeah. we go at we go after Back to the Future, it's 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 significant for me. Yeah, and yeah, and so now what what's crazy is when you do part three, you know the, that's it. <laughs> I didn't even take notes. Like I was watching it, I'm just like, oh, this is great. I didn't write a single fucking thing down. It's all in here. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't need it. Uh did you did you know what your award's gonna be for this one? No, actually I didn't. That um that's t- always tough for me doing awards for my favorite movies because I gotta really yeah. I gotta sacrifice some stuff. I gotta have some, you know, reflective moments of like what do I truly think is heads above the rest in this film? And that's that's difficult. Very difficult. And this one I had an extremely hard time. Uh, choosing choosing awards for, for for really all four categories. Uh, there's one that I'll say I'm just biased. I'm just biased, and I'm I, I, before the movie even started, I was kind of where I'm going with that one. But the <laughs> other three, uh, yeah, that had a tough time. Like I was, I, I at one point I had just paused the movie and I was like, man, what quote? Is, <laughs> what what quote do I really connect with? Uh, you know, I ended up I ended up kind of going with a quote along with a moment. You know, kind of like what it means, not so much like, Oh, that was incredible writing, but more so the, the, the combination of the story and the, 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 the filmmaking and the, the performance, you know? Uh, so that's where we'll start. We'll start with the Tarantino. Then we'll make our way down. We'll do the Inyo Morricone award for music. Uh, we'll do the Philip Summer Hoffman award for performance and the Roger Deakins for best scene. So uh, I'll let you start with your, your Tarantino. I can't wait to hear where you go. Yeah, this has always been one of my favorite lines in the whole franchise because it's one of the dumbest things anyone's ever fucking said. Um, It's when Marty goes to Biff's pleasure paradise to talk to him about the almanac. And Biff's like, all right, sit down. Like, what do you know? And Marty's like, you tell me when you got it and how. And Biff's like, all right, fine. And starts telling the story of how he ended up with the almanac. And this is what he says. So there I was minding my own business. This crazy old codger with a cane shows up. He says he's my distant relative. I don't see any resemblance. <laughs> uh, <laughs> without fail, always laugh my ass off like you fucking moron. Yeah, he just looks the it's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he's such a goddamn moron. You know, uh, I, I, I laughed. I like cackled during the scene back in the 50s with Biff when he is with those kids in the neighborhood and he grabs the ball and like throws it. <laughs> just such an asshole. <laughs> but it just made me laugh. Cause I was like, he's such a dick that like, I don't know anybody that dickish, you know, in my life. <laughs> Never. Right. It is like over. It's so over the top. He's just such a complete total piece of shit to everybody. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love when he screams at his grandma as he's leaving, it's just like, this guy's a loser. <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's the definition of 
I'm going to make fun of people because I'm so insecure. Like he's just the, the, the stereotype of that. I'm going to bully everybody that's in my way. Cause I don't even know who I am. Like it's, it's great. It works. It does. And you know, Wilson pulls it off. Every version of Biff he plays, you know, stands out and it, it really works. It's, it's a great performance that I think gets overlooked in the, in this franchise. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's like absolutely quintessential to, to, to the film. Yeah. Obviously Marty and, and doc get, get a lot of the love, but he's, he's really our third character. Uh, he's probably on the screen third most by, by a ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've heard he's also really nice, which is funny. I, I, I can totally see that. I can see him just being like everybody's uncle, you know, just hanging out. Like he's just one of those guys. If you uh, ever want to see it, um, he's got a stand-up special called Bigger oh. Than You. It's okay. really funny. It's on Prime, and I think it's in full on YouTube. But it, he does—he opens with a song about Back to the Future. <laughs> it was—it was—it was pretty good. He's a pretty good comic. Okay, I that, that kind of blows me away. I had no idea. Uh, I, I usually go in, in these phases of stand-up comedy where I won't watch for months. And then there'll be there'll be a two week span where I'm like I'm gonna knock out a bunch of specials, you know. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not sure. It, it requires a certain amount of uh, awareness and, and patience when you watch a stand up special. Uh, I think I have to be in a certain mindset to like appreciate it the right way. Yeah, I totally get you. I'm 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 pretty similar. I <laughs> I got my favorite guys. Whenever they got one coming on, I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna watch this immediately. But yeah, uh, yeah, like Tom Segura is one of those like. Okay, well, I'm you know, stop what I'm doing. Bill Burr is probably up there. Uh, these these modern guys who just put shit on Netflix constantly, and I, yeah, that's always fun. Oh, totally. So, what's your what's your uh, Tarantino? I'm curious. <sighs> yeah, um, considered it for my Deacons. It's one of those kind of like moments, like I like I said, you know, it's a big big moment in the movie, but also just just good stuff makes you makes you really think. Um, it's when Doc and Marty. Are in the time machine. They're about to leave the alternate 1985 to fix to fix everything. Uh, you know, Doc says, "Time circuits on," and Marty says, "What do you mean, time circuits on?" Doc, we're not going back now. And Doc says, "Yes, we are." Marty, Doc, what about Jennifer? What about Einstein? We can't just leave them here. And Doc says, "Don't worry, Marty. Assuming we succeed our mission, this alternate 1985 will be changed back to the real 1985 instantaneously, transforming around Jennifer and Einie." Jennifer and I will be fine and they will have absolutely no memory of this horrible place. And Marty says, doc, what if we don't succeed? And we get the, the coolest line ever of the back to the future series is when doc says we must succeed. And then boom, they fucking go off and you're like, ah, you know, I feel like you're 10 years old again. It's really cool. <laughs> that's, that's great, man. I love preceding that when uh, Marty jumps off the tower and rises up with the DeLorean and Biff just goes, what the hell? <laughs> Slap yeah. at the door. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Those moments are great when he's like, there's two of them. <laughs> like That bit right there uh, where, where doc hits Biff with the car door is the only interaction that doc and Biff have in the entire franchise. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Though you say that, but I would have never assumed that or guessed that. I love when movie. I love when movies movies do that to you, where you're like, you just assume, oh, these guys are in it, so sure, surely, you know. But there's no, there's only one time where Tom Wilson and Christopher Lloyd actually had to work on screen together. That's amazing. Well, in three, like they meet a lot in three, but that's not Biff. That's Buford Tannen. Co- yeah, correct. So Biff, <laughs> Tom Wilson yeah. as Biff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
that's that's really that's really yeah. neat. But I yeah, I like your pick. It's very much like you know, we got to do this or else. Like there's no you know failure is not an option. We got to we have a lot of lives to save here. Yeah, I I love I love Doc. I love his existential crisis that's happening the entire time where he's like fuck what was i thinking like why did i think i could bring along anybody else <laughs> to, to, to time travel and see different things and do all do all this stuff like what why did i think that that, well, that could actually be done see i think he's thinking more like he never blames marty for any of this he's always like you know it's okay man we're gonna fi- we're gonna figure this out together he blames himself for even building this damn thing in the first place yeah 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 yeah, that's that's the coolest, and that's the opposite of you know, like a, uh, quite possibly a canceled TV show. Uh, Rick and Morty, uh, like he he's like treats Morty the opposite of the way Doc treats Marty. You know, it's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Possibly canceled. Fuck Justin Roiland. What the fuck, man? Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, yeah. yeah I mean, of course, fucking course. You know, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we'll see how that pans out. Um, but yeah. Uh, good, good choice. I, yeah, there's a lot of great lines in this. I could have gone with uh, one. I'm gonna save because it's part of my deacons. But uh, okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I like, I like the uh, old Biff, young Biff bit. <laughs> you always did have a way with women. <laughs> Get the hell out of my car, old man. <laughs> it's so weird that. for an actor to have great chemistry with themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Wilson, baby. Uh, I I, lo- I love the I love the scene with um, uh, when we go to when we go to 2015 and we see Marty at his home talking to Flea, talking to Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, that that was a great that was a great moment. Yeah, needles. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. And then his real boss is like, "I just saw all that, yeah, you fucker." Yeah. Uh, that was that's a that's a good scene. I love the the moment between you know Elizabeth Shue. When she's like, "I'm young, I'm old," you know, it's like that's a good moment. That's that's the that's the recasting that sucks, right? And you, you ex- you explained it to me, uh, so it like made more sense after you explained that. You know, there was like uh, with what's her name, Claudia Wells. Yeah, uh, there was like a family thing going on, and she, you know, they couldn't stop production. I just thought she was so good in part one. Uh, really, really a damn shame she didn't get to finish it off. Yeah, and you know that's no disrespect to Elizabeth Shue. She does a good job uh, yeah. stepping into her shoes. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I I do think Claudia Wells was was better, and I wish she'd gotten to see this through. Damn shame. Yeah, yeah, it's it just sucks. Was, yeah, Jennifer, you just oh I'll always correlate her with like the scenes before anything actually happens, like when he's auditioning in the first movie for for the the you know like Battle of the Bands thing. And she's right there watching and like, I'll just always like, that's what comes to mind, you know, is those beginning moments or when they're sitting outside and her dad shows up to pick her up and she's like, I'll be at my grandma's and writes down. I love you. And the phone number I'll always kind of like, those are like really sweet, tender moments. And I'll always well, think of those. Yeah. If you think about it, if she had never written her phone number on that paper, Marty wouldn't have saved it. And he would have been trapped in 1955 because he wouldn't have had the information uh, on the lightning bolt. Cor- correct. Yeah. No, it's like a, massive massive moment for the whole for the whole the whole thing yeah and that's 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 intentional you know every little thing that happens it's that's kind of i think at the end of the day it's kind of telling you that what you do matters in life like what like things that you do how you treat people 
how you treat scenarios in your life, it matters. Like, take it seriously. Give a shit about it. It's it can come back to bite you in the ass, or bite your kids in the ass, or or so on and so forth. I, yeah. That's like my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing about the movie. It's like do the right thing. Fucking do the right thing. You know, and I'm like I'm down with that. That's a really cool message to put inside of a time traveling movie. Yeah, I mean, look at the butterfly effect of part two. Mar- you know, Marty because Needles calls him a chicken gets in that race, rams into the Rolls Royce, breaks his hand, loses his music career, loses his confidence. Jennifer marries him out of pity. He raises his kids to have no confidence. Marty Jr. ends up falling in with Griff's gang. He goes to prison. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I I love that. I love that. I love that. You, you know, that's what was really cool about us picking, you picking Back to the Future and me picking like a Linklater thing is, those like Linklater also does that all the time. Like yeah. his movies, his movies are all about like, like, Oh, like there are, there are multiple paths. There is like an alternate reality. Always slacker. His, his first movie, it, that's what it is about is like every, and, and not just every decision you make in real life, but when you're, it comes to movie making where the camera goes is where we go. And like, that's, that's you're playing God. Like you have power when you're behind the camera and you choose every, every fucking moment that happens, you, you know, and with back to the future, I appreciate the decisions that are being made by Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> I appreciate the way this story goes, the way, the way he takes it. It's very, very cool. I don't think there's a lot of wrong turns. Every time you bring up slacker, I just keep thinking of principal Strickland, just screaming it in students' faces. <laughs> Slacker. Yes, <laughs> I love I love when he bah, 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 he's fucking shooting. <laughs> oh, it's such a good scene. Those guys, it's like a drive-by. <laughs> Marty's like, what the fuck? Eat lead slackers. <laughs> that was almost scene. my that was almost my Tarantino. That needs to be on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> good shit. Oh yeah, this is exactly where I wanted this to go. Uh I'm having fun here. Um Ennio Morricone Award. I know that I, I know this score means a lot to you, so I'm, I'm curious where you yeah. took this. Alan Silvestri's score is amazing for Back to the Future, but you know what? I love the needle drops just as much. Oh, dude. Epic. Epic stuff. When Marty arrives in alternate 1985, starts realizing, okay, something's wrong. And he goes to the courthouse and sees what Hill Valley's town square has become and Sammy Hagar's I can't drive 55 starts blasting. And I'm like, this is the perfect sleazy song for a shitty, gross eighties town. And I was just like, I'm, I was floored every time. I, I, I think that's the perfect moment. Yeah. I almost chose the same thing. Uh, God, that's such a sick needle drop. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it, the way it hits to, you know, him looking around with all the like the motorcycle like gang members behind him just kind of like fucking hanging out, you know, in this just honestly pretty realistic 1985. Let's be honest. Like these <laughs> like big big cities in 1985. Yeah. This, this, this is like what what the urban areas look like. Uh you just got you just, it's just fucking chaos, just a fucking jungle. So I I thought it would, I think that scene altogether, as far as production design and like movie making, that's like my favorite fair bit of the movie uh really of the trilogy i just think it's so powerful like that that 85 that 1985 is just so sick well i love the the sign he like marty walks over that says welcome to hell valley 
because it's been vandalized. It's like, could you get a better description of this world? This is this is Hell Valley. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I wonder if Zemeckis thought about Hell Valley before he even wrote these movies. Before these these movies, he went pen to paper, and he's like, at some point in my story, I'm gonna fucking use that. <laughs> it's like he does that over and over with these. It's like there's there's so much intention and so much you know power in, in the the story that you feel like this all came to him throughout his whole life. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, Oh, I'm going to put that in there, put that in there, put that in there. And you get, you get this trilogy. So, hmm. uh, I, yeah, I almost chose the same thing, but I, I did want to stick with the score. Cause, cause yeah, Alan yeah, putting in a shift in in these movies. I mean, good God, you know, su- super iconic scores. And you know, the part that stuck out to me was kind of a slower, more eerie bit of the score. Uh, towards the end of the movie and that the you'll know exactly what i'm talking about the track is called western union <laughs> uh and it's it's when you know we don't know what's going to end you know we don't know how the movie's going to end or how you know how, how the story's going to unfold here it get, gets kind of scary in 1955 and but but doc fucking christopher lloyd's always got something up his sleeve right and this is when the guy delivers the letter to him from western union delivers the letter to marty and it's from 70 years, you know, 70 years ago. And you're like, God, that, that fucking doc always knows what's up. Always knows what's going on. You know, he is, he, he is, you know, possibly the most important character of the trilogy. And I, I just, I love that moment. And the score is kind of eerie, kind of scary at times. And it slowly kind of picks up and you're like, okay, it's going to be okay. Thank God. <laughs> Marty's <laughs> going to be okay. Uh, I just, I, I responded to it a lot last night when I was watching it. Uh, and I was, I was like on the edge of my bed. Well, well you know, I, I started up, uh, you know, up on my pillow kind of hanging out and like about an hour in, I was like, oh, I've like moved closer and closer to, <laughs> to, to the screen watching this movie. It was, it was a, it was a cool, cool viewing experience for me. This is cool. You're rediscovering these. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For you, you're like, yeah, this is fucking child's play, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's, yeah, I'm going, that's why I do, I do that with a lot of like quote unquote classic movies. Like I haven't seen Indiana Jones in a, in a while. I, I intend to keep it that way because I know it's going to come up one time and it's going to be the right timing. It's going to come to me. And I, I can't wait for that day because it's going to be really rewarding because it's been so long since I've watched, you know, Raiders, Temple of Doom and, and Crusade. You know, I'm like, I'm stoked for that when that does happen. Well, you know, considering we've got a fifth one coming out in the summer, this could be a good opportunity to... It is. It is. It is. <laughs> During the summer, when we do get in the, uh, when I really feel confident about the release date and it gets closer <laughs> and closer, yeah, I'm putting Raiders on the fucking schedule for Oscar Sunday. We're gonna do Indiana Jones properly. Like it's, ah. it has to be. It has to be done. And I will watch all. I'll watch fucking Crystal Skull too. You know, I'll, I'll watch all of them. Um, that's just that's just how it's gonna be. Um, did you catch who the Western Union guy was? Uh, no. It's the jackass guy from Happy Gilmore. Ah, okay. Um, what is that guy's name? I know, I know, I know exactly who you're talking about. Also, Elijah Woods in this movie as the video yeah. game kid. Yeah, he's fucking, like five. Yeah, b- fucking Billy Zane. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of okay. a lot of random people. Okay. That makes sense now that you're that you pointed that out. <laughs> jackass. <laughs> 
love Happy Gilmore. Uh, if only it was up for some Oscars. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, some other mu- great music moments. Um, you know, Beat it playing in the cafe eighties when Mike Marty uh, goes in there. Dude, like just yeah, brilliant touch. Yeah, I like. I know this is a weird one, but Goldie Wilson the Third's like commercial that's playing in the town square we're like we'll convert your car to a flying car the weird like hurdy-gurdy music that's playing in that commercial i always like that yeah me too man yeah yeah it's just yeah it's this movie's these guys are so aware of what they're doing yeah it's still like they know they're making movies man you know it's just as simple as as that you're gonna love sylvester's score for part three because he converts the back to the future theme into a western theme and it's great. Uh, that's, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even in part two at the end, when you have like the little Western moment, you're like, Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> Sylvester's just like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I can kind of do anything, you know? Um, <laughs> if you want this to become, you know, like a, a horror movie, I'll do that too. You know, like, it's just like he, he, he's just a proper composer. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the legends. Damn straight. And this is his masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. Back to the future. Yeah. Um, you know, this might sound crazy. Really, really like his score for Polar Express. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I, uh, that's that's biased. You know, ever since I was a child, you know, I saw that yeah. theaters and I was like, God damn. Uh, um, there's another one. There's another one I like. I'm trying to remember. For me, his, like, what comes just as close as Predator. Oh, yeah. Fucking lights out. Um, and, and then what he did for the Avengers films. I think the score for oh, those are beautiful. Dude. Yeah, fucking like Endgame, like amazing shit in Endgame. Um, you know, he's a he's a composer for the moment. He knows he knows how to really really hit it home that that we're watching something something unique, something special. Uh, I believe he also did the my favorite thing about um, Spielberg's Ready Player One is is the score. Uh, I'm pretty sure he did that one as well. Uh, Forrest Gump. You no, know, yeah, the, yeah, the guy the guy's guy's got a nice resume. Yeah, he's you know he's to Zemeckis what Williams is to Spielberg for the most part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 works with with legends. Uh, sadly, only two nominations. Uh, that's best original score for Forrest Gump, and best uh, original song for the Polar Express. So that's uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's that's upsetting. Yeah, he should have way more than that. Uh, but yeah, music music is great in this movie. Um. Yeah. All right. Well done. Yeah. Love, love this. Uh, all right. PSH. This is the one that was a little bit easier for me. <laughs> I believe I gave it to Christopher Lloyd for the first one. Uh, I'm pretty sure I did. Yes. We both did. For this one, I gave it to Tom Wilson. Okay. There you go. I, 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 went, I went Lloyd again. I just can't. I can't get <laughs> enough of Yeah. I can't get enough of them. Totally get it. Totally get it. Lloyd's he kills it every time. But for this in this one particularly for part two, I think Tom Wilson outshines everybody. He's playing, you know, four different versions of, of Biff in this movie. We've got Griff, we've got old Biff in the checkered pants of the red shirt, we've got 50s Biff, and we've got evil 80s alternate Biff. And all of them stand out. They're all, you know, very distinct characters. And I think he's he's very menacing and creepy and sinister in this movie, and I just think he gave his best performance of the franchise in this in this film. Okay, yeah, no, gr- great argument. He's doing the most probably. Uh, 
or not probably he is. Uh, so yeah, I, I can get behind that for sure. Uh, I am. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very biased. Christopher Lloyd is just my guy. He's appeared in so, so many massive things for me and my fandom of, of, of pop culture. Uh, so I, I've always been just a, like addicted to him as a, as a performer. I, I, nobody looks like him. Nobody has, nobody has the eyes that he has. Nobody has kind of the weird frame kind of stature that he has. I can watch him all day. Uh, and I don't know, you know, he's, he's old, he's fucking old now. And I don't know, you know, the, as we see more and more people just inevitably pass, I just I know it's coming for him, you know. Um, that's gonna that's gonna fucking suck, you know. It's he's like one of those guys where it feels like, you know, legends never die. You know, he's he's like one of those guys. Uh, so I, I always want to try to appreciate him while he's here, rather than wait for that inevitable moment that we all have, you know. And I don't know, man. He's like I think he was born like in the 30s. So this yeah, this dude's old, man. Um, and he's the fucking man in these movies. Doc is one of the coolest 80s characters, coolest, you know, popcorn movie characters of all time for me. Uh, love this guy to death. My introduction to him as a, as a, you know, was these. But then when I saw One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest, I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, it's the same, you know, it's Christopher Lloyd, it's the same guy. And those moments matter a lot as a movie fan when you make the connections that you do and you become like attached to a certain performer uh that's what happened to me when i saw one for the cuckoo's nest him him and danny devito they're really you know of course it's jack nicholson's show uh louise fletcher's show but, but those side characters you know danny devito mainly christopher lloyd like steal my heart in that movie i get you man uh for me obviously you know it was back to the future but it was also who framed roger rabbit Oh yeah, do- doom. Yeah, we talked about that not that long ago. Yeah, I know that was a blast. Uh, I I adore Christopher Lloyd. I was watching. I've been watching Cheers, and um, he had a guest spot as this like crazy artist guy who was like, "I must paint you, Diane," and it was it was great. He he got really <laughs> pissed at T- Ted Danson and called him a malignant growth. <laughs> Fantastic. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, I've been very you know thankful that pretty much everybody involved in all three of these films is still with us yeah and i know that when they start dropping it's gonna hurt and i i don't want to i'm not looking forward to that at all i don't want to see that oh of course not man you know all yeah all of them you know this these movies are you know back to the future is coming up on a 40 year anniversary in a couple years like when you really think about that you're like oh my god you know it's a it's a long time. That's a long life for a movie this good to have, you know, and everyone involved, of course, you know, uh, fucking Lloyd was already 50 years old, you know, <laughs> when these movies came out. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely important to recognize it while it's, while it's here, you know, while it's still, still alive and well, uh, I, I've always believed that, um, you know, fucking Lloyd has three Emmy wins. Isn't that crazy? Taxi, right? Taxi for two, and then the other one, yeah, Best Supporting Actor, Taxi, uh, two years in a row, and then Road to Avon Lay. I don't really think I know what that is. I don't either. It must be a miniseries or something. 
outstanding lead actor in a drama series. I mean, yeah. I, we, we probably need to try to find a way to watch this. Christopher, oh no, it does not look like it's up my alley. Uh, <laughs> old, a young rich girl is sent to live with relatives on Prince Edward Island in the early 1900s. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just take to Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, but, but Christopher Lloyd was one best actor? crazy his three emmy wins no no oscar nominations that's fine he's a character actor He'd, those guys very rarely get the, the love they deserve uh but he, yeah he went he's he's one of the only people that's ever won two phillips more hoffman's for me on this show maybe the first <laughs> that's delightful that's wonderful he's racked up he's racked up three <laughs> pshs if you count your vote too from <laughs> uh from part one I wish we'd been like, I haven't been saving that information on my phone I, or anything. I, I wish we could go back and we'd have to listen to the episode and like chart it out. But I'd love to yeah. see like who got, you know, how many of those we've given out to, to who. Yeah, I have. That's really dumb. Cause I, I write it. I write everything down on paper. You know, I'm big. I'm big on pen to paper. So like any of our drafts or any of our top fives, like I write, I write them down. Uh, and then f- I always write down my awards while I'm watching the movie by like pen to paper instead of using my phone. And uh, I, I should be writing yours down too as we go. I should have always, especially the PSH. That's all I have to do is write a name down. So I'll start right now. Tom Wilson for Connor. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to figure out a way to backtrack all that shit. I'm sure we both know what we did for most of them, right? Um, like I, I vividly remember the first one that stuck out to my mind. I like when we split. Yeah. Like when we did when we did Chinatown, I went Jack, you went Faye Dunaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we did the apartment, I went Jack Lemon, you went Shirley. I, I love when that happens. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Always, you know, leads to a fantastic conversation. Um, I want to say when we did Poltergeist with Caleb, we all three had different people. I, I'm pretty sure. Uh. I might be incorrect about that, but no, yeah, I, the, you're the, right. You, you gave it to Craig. I gave it to I for, uh, the wife. I forgot, I forgot her name. And then Caleb gave it to Heather O'Rourke. Okay. That's yeah. Someone. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember Caleb and I, like I remember both of us kind of agreeing that O'Rourke, like it's just like unbelievable yeah. what she did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. That's, that's the best when that happens. And right here, I went, I went Lloyd, you went Wilson. So that's perfect. Um, all right, here we go. This is what I've been waiting for all day. Um, the, the Deacons, the Roger Deacons award for best scene of the movie. How talk to me about how you narrowed this down and how'd you choose? Well, I just sat down and I just watched and I enjoyed and I just had to, I had, I wrote, I was like, Oh, that's good. I'm like, Oh, that's better. Oh, this is big. And eventually I settled on, the scene between Biff and old Biff in the garage, in the car, when uh, old Biff's trying to sell him the almanac. It's so great. It's hilarious because young Biff is like, you are so full of shit. Why are you still here the whole time? And old Biff's like, I'm so, like young me is such a fucking dope. It's just so like, especially when, uh, when young Biff tells him like, you know, make like a tree and get out of here. And old Biff slaps him and he's like, it's leave you idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Telling himself like you're a damn fool. (laughs) It's it's fantastic. I love when he's trying to prove the almanac's power and he like puts on the, the, uh, the game 
And he's like, I bet you a hundred bucks UCLA wins. And young Biff just goes, what are you deaf old man? He said it was over. You lost. It's so, <laughs> he's just so angry. <laughs> yeah, just, just, just pissed off before anything even happens. So. Yeah. Uh, I love that whole bit. It's great. I love that, you know, Marty's in the backseat the whole time, just hearing this unfold. And yeah, I, I think it's cool that Tom Wilson's one of the few actors who has like fantastic chemistry with himself and just comes through in these, in these scenes between him and his younger self. I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, what a cool thing to be able to do as, as an actor is put, put, pl- play multiple versions of yourself, even, even relatives of your, of you know, yourself. Like it's, it's gotta be fun. Gotta be fun to do that. And you can tell Tom Wilson's just having a blast, just going for it. He's never, Tom Wilson has never really been able to, uh, you would think he had a different career after these movies. It's really, it's really quite sad. I don't know. I don't know why that happened or what it is. Maybe you have more, more knowledge on that, but I, I feel like he's perfect for these kinds of movies. Well, basically he got typecast. He got, you know, people don't even know his name. They call him Biff. He's yeah, been sucks. Been that since 85. And he's, you know, he's had some random stuff like, um, CW had that show legends of tomorrow, which was like a time traveling superhero show. And Tom Wilson played the head of the like time bureau or whatever it was called. Yeah. And that was nice. You got to see him again. They did a back to the future joke where somebody in front of him tells somebody to make like a tree and leave. And he goes, I don't know if that's how the phrase goes <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> it was, it was a cute reference, but yeah, he's never really eclipsed back to the future's shadow in ways that, you know, Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox were able to do. Yeah. It's sad. You know, I'm looking at his, uh, IMDb here. I mean, so much TV work the past few years, uh, and like all, all kind, it, it's like all kinds of shit that he's clearly just like, I'll just do what I can. Um, it's just, it's just sad, you know. Appears in one episode of this, one episode of that. Uh, <laughs> I did not know this. He's the uh, he does multiple voices on SpongeBob. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I did. I did not know that he's been in like thirty episodes of SpongeBob. That's that's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Flats, the bully who like wanted to kick SpongeBob's butt. Yeah, I'm gonna kick your butt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also plays uh, uh, Patrick Starr's, I think, dad, Cecil Cecil Star. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Uh, he plays a couple those cops that show up, like the, the weird fish cops. That have you seen this man? <laughs> <laughs> He was the uh, uh, he was the captain in the movie The Heat. Yeah, that's okay. That's what another thing I was going to point out, which is which is brutal. Uh, his four, you know, you and I like to play the game, the IMDb game, the the four movies that they're that they're known for. It's Back to the Future one, two, three, and The Heat. <laughs> and come on, he's he's worth more than that. Come on, yeah, he's good. I just I wish that people could look past. You know, he gets. People ask him to call them a butthead every day of his life. That sucks. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that for that long. You know, maybe for a few years, I'd be like, yeah, you butthead. But then I'd be like, <laughs> okay, I'm a human being. <laughs> I've got more to me than that. And he's that stand up special he did. He opened by saying, I just want to let you guys know my name is not Biff. My name is yeah. Tom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is fucking Tom. Yeah, at this point, he's um, he's going to be sixty four years old here here in um, this year. Pretty crazy to think about. 
that's that's a you know nearly 40 years of having to say butthead over and over that's got to get old yeah it's you know it's a gift and a curse i mean on one one hand he's got a legacy here that will live forever but on the other hand that's all he's got true right you know uh he's got to be grateful for it in some capacity you know yeah, i mean he attends like, the conventions the fan re- like you know the reunion specials and stuff so does leah thompson crispin glover doesn't he's been pretty distant from this uh <laughs> he's weird uh that's, that's funny i didn't know that yeah but everybody else actually like this movie uh he sued the production for using his uh, likeness without his permission in the the archive footage of george dancing at the at the dance interesting that actually started the precedent of like if you're going to use an actor's likeness in a film you have to pay them for that likeness this was the first time that had happened so that that resulting lawsuit led to that which has been a hollywood staple ever since okay i didn't know this is where it began that's interesting when george is hanging upside down in the future that's not crispin glover that's jeffrey weissman you can you, you can tell right uh yeah, you're like that. That ain't that ain't that ain't my guy. Uh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. Uh, the first time I saw him a kid was I went to the theater to see uh, Like Mike in 2003, <laughs> and uh, he's he's a total asshole in that movie. Uh, but he's he's very very good at it, and I was I was always frightened by him in the, in that movie. Uh, what's crazy about that one is you got uh, at one point Crispin Glover and. Uh, Jesse Plemons, young Jesse Plemons are like teaming up as the bad guys in that movie. And I was like, this, this, this if those guys, if they made a movie now as like bad as villains in a movie, it'd be fucking sick. That is weird. I always liked Crispin Glover as the creepy thin man in the 2000 Charlie's Angels movie. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, I love that he didn't like the line, the lines his character had. So he just decided, I'm not going to say them. I'm just going to shriek like a maniac and they're going to use what they can get. He's a strange monster. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's pretty unsettling in the first movie when he's watching TV and he does that weird laugh. You're like, that's that's fucking creepy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what he's doing, you know, uh when they're at when they're at home. Uh is it is it is it Le- Leona Estates? Is that is that right? That's the neighborhood? Uh Lion Estates. It's called Lion, okay. I always wonder because Lyon's like a city in, in France. I wondered if, you know, it's a weird way to spell lion. But. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I, I always loved that. But it's it's he's creepy as the, the dad in the beginning. You're like, uh, yeah. what's, think, what's wrong with this family? I think he does a good job in the first movie, but I do think it is a weird choice in terms of casting. And I bet they had a lot of issues with him. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be surprising. Uh, so Crispin. Didn't think we'd be talking about him this much. Um, okay, so your Deacons is the moment in the in the in the garage between Biff and <laughs> Biff and Biff and uh, and Marty Marty witnessing it. Yeah, you want to be rich? Okay. Oh yeah, sure. That's rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. I, I want to see if you can guess what what I what I went with here. Hmm. The moment Marty uh, finds his father's tombstone. Oh, I, that's a good choice. I wrote that down, but uh, I, I went with something else. I At the end of the day, I wanted to choose what I thought was the most impressive filmmaking in the movie. Okay. And why I think still still stands the test of time. Uh, I wanted to choose a scene that relied on heavy visual effects to, to 
to get to get through it because that's that's kind of what I know you know remember most about these movies is how impressive they look for their time, and it's when Marty and is 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 fucking riding on the back of Biff's car on his you know, and Biff's looking back you know he's listening to the radio listening to college football scores and he's like oh what the hell. And then you have, you know, fucking Christopher Lloyd. You have Doc hovering above. Uh, it just, it, it's such an impressive scene. It, yeah. lo- it looks so, so good. I love the the use of the flags coming down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets pulled up. And, and then, of course, you know, the, I hate manure. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that, that, that's a great, that's like one of my favorite line readings of all time. Is, is Tom <laughs> Wilson, I hate manure. Um it reminded me of a, a, a of a movie from last year where I was like, you know, the fucking light bulb went off and I was like, oh, that's another reference from that that Nope. Nope was shouting out Back to the Future Part 2 with the flags coming down from the from the fucking spaceship thing. <laughs> uh, 100%. Like, there's no, no doubt in my mind that Jordan Peele was like, I'm going to throw this little thing in there, this prop that I, that I saw in a little 80s movie called Back to the Future Part 2. I have no doubt in my mind, you know, um, he's referencing movies left and right. And Nope. And I thought of Nope. And I thought of, you know, ah, God, I love when movies do this. I love when movies remind me of other movies and the sheer intensity of the scene, comedy of the scene and the, the filmmaking, like, how did they do that? You know, it's one of those in 1989, how do they do this? You know, how do they, how do they get all this stuff to work? And, you know, and, and Marty's fucking hovering, you know, he's not, he's not just, you know, writing something. He's hovering on the back of that, back of that car. I love when he kind of, you know, looks into the car on the side and Biff has no idea what's going on. He's just, I, I love hearing the football scores like USC beats Washington 47 to 14, you know, all that stuff. It's just incredible filmmaking. Um, I had to go with it. You know, it's close to the end of the movie and it's quite possibly the climax of the movie. I uh, just, I just really, really enjoyed it. I had that written down before, like when the like about halfway through the movie, I'm like, yeah, the tunnel chase is pretty good. So I wrote that yeah. down. But then the Biff dialogue happened. And I'm like, I can't, I gotta, I gotta go with this. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Biff dialogue is, is great. Biff, Biff, at the end of the day, Biff is is involved in every great scene. Let's be honest. He is, he is, because he's always, you know, just they're always having to deal with him. He's he's an obstacle, yeah. a walking obstacle. Yeah, just a big fucking idiot. Uh, another scene I do love is when Doc, Doc and Doc meet. Oh yeah, but but not quite, you know. And he's like, got his back turned to him, and he starts walking away all weird. And the other Doc looks at him like, "The hell was that?" You know, it's ah, that's so cool. I love seeing two fucking Christopher Lloyd's on the screen together. Um, because <laughs> we don't we don't get that. You know, it's not. We see a lot of Biff and Biff. We see a lot of Marty and Marty. Seeing two docs is is, is really special. Yeah, that's the only time we get that. And I love it's right off the phone, the, the call of Doc being like, do not let your other self see you. The consequences could be disastrous. And then <laughs> yeah. other docs like, hey, you. And he's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the cursing in these movies. It's great. You know, when movies just have the F word flying around every other minute, like in The Big Lebowski or, you know, The Departed or movies like that that are famous for just cursing a ton, it, it, it's, it's, it's an art sometimes. You know, when you're making a, 
when you're making more of a family-oriented movie here that's for everybody, you got to be picky and choosy. By being picky and choosy, though, you're being realistic. So when Marty does say shit, it's a big moment. You know it's a big moment. I, I love that. I love that you could say holy shit in a kid's movie in the 80s. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. Because it's, it's, it's harmless, let's be honest. I miss that. Um, one scene that I always loved is after, you know, George Dex Biff and everyone's like, yes. And then Marty goes over there to be like, all right, give him some air. It's okay. I know CPR. And the guy's like, what's CPR? <laughs> he <laughs> knocks Biff out and steals the, the almanac. And that guy's like, did he just take his wallet? <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, that. Brilliant. Like Biff brilliant. has no desire to go after George. After all that, he wants Marty's head. Yes. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It goes from father to son there. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a great bit. I love, I love that. I love that whole dance sequence um, at the dance. It's just like awesome, awesome filmmaking. Uh, watching, watching Marty kind of creep up on Biff and try to take it out of his pocket, and then Strickland shows up and he's like, "You're a sucker." <laughs> You're, you know, it's it's such a good good bit. And uh, he's like, "Do I smell liquor on you?" And he's like, "Liquor." I wouldn't drink that. I'm not allowed to. <laughs> I wouldn't know what it smells like. I'm too young to drink. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good bit. I love when oh, he's like, man. what is this, homework, Tan? He's like, well, it ain't homework because I ain't at home. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> God, this movie, man. It's fantastic stuff. Oh, it's delightful. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah, this has been great. This is a lot of fun. Is there any other moment in the movie you want you want to spotlight before we talk about the visual effects category um i love when marty goes up to the pleasure paradise and watches like the info uh, commercial dude. on biff tannen and learns about you know all the horse races and biff co and mad dog tannen the full foreshadowing they do there i love that and um he learns that biff married his mom and he like freaks out and the gang yeah. we could do this the easy way or the hard way just fucking billy zane um yeah. Yeah. what is billy zane doing in this movie i have no idea but i love that he's here uh, <laughs> yeah i could go through this whole damn thing i i love this movie to death yeah it is one of those you could just go point a to point b knock out the whole movie uh i i i for one think it's a really good decision to not have too much 2015 mm-hmm. what we do get is is almost spot on for you know, they they filmed this movie in 1988. It's it's quite remarkable, like how how accurate they get it. But they don't go too deep into it. They they know their limits. They're like, all right, let's not try to predict everything. Let's try to nail the things that we think are going to happen and move on with the 1955 stuff, the 1985 stuff. I really appreciated that. I love when they first get there and Marty has that. I mean, he's, you know, he's a high schooler. He has that little, little boy wonder where he's like, doc, I gotta, I gotta see this. Like, I gotta check it out. And, and doc's like in due time, you know, like we, we got, we got, we, we have a tight schedule here. And I love the beginning scene of that movie when he gives him the shoes and the jacket and the hat, the iconic hat that now people just wear around. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's great stuff. The introduction to this movie is great. And you get the, I always thought it was an interesting decision to start the movie by redoing the last scene of the first movie. And then we see that Biff, you know, 
witnesses it. He's like, what the fuck just happened? You know? Uh, and that kind of, you know, is kind of what the movie's all about is Biff keeps catching them. Different versions of Biff keep catching them doing stuff. That's like, wait a minute. What was that? Like what, what's going on over here? And it's, you know, kind of a cat and mouse cat and mouse game the rest of the movie so everything's so intentional and you gotta you gotta take your hat off to, to mr zemeckis this is uh, i would say it's hard i'd say number one is his undisputed masterpiece and then part two and, and roger rabbit are, are tied for number two for me damn uh one more thing um when biff comes back to 2015 after stealing the, the delorean yeah. I always, I always, I just completely don't question the fact. Like, how did he know about the time circuits? How did he know about Mister Fusion? I just ignore that. Um, but he comes back and he like breaks the cane and he starts like dying. Like, it's kind of unclear like what's happening to Biff in that moment. But there's a deleted scene that they never, I don't think they ever filmed it, but they intended it in the script. In 1985, in the alternate 85, Lorraine killed him. Ah, uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. She shot him, and he fades away. There's the deleted part that they cut out is he passes out behind that dumpster, and he is erased. Jesus, I know that would have been a little too dark for, the, for this movie. I'm glad they I didn't. like it. I like it though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's that's my last bit. But that yeah, I just wanted to point that out there. Okay, very nice. I like that. I like that. So. Yeah, what version of these movies do you have? Do you have like a specific like Blu-ray set or what is your I have you a, watch these? I have a steelbook Blu-ray collection I got for Christmas a few years ago. Um I'm holding out I'm gonna get the 4K as soon as I can afford it. Uh so I can have these as I, I I've had these on tape, I've had these on the DVD collection, I've had these on uh 25th anniversary Blu-ray, I've had these on the 30th anniversary Blu-ray. I buy these every fucking time they come out. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't own them. You have them on Voodoo, so I just <laughs> watched them. I watched them that way. Uh, and yeah, I'm grateful for that. You know, you you have over 800 movies in your Voodoo now. I don't know if I you know. noticed that, but proud uh, of that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Jesus, you just added a whole slew of you know random stuff. Then I was like, God, he just broke the 800 mark. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> if people wouldn't leave their codes in inconspicuous places, it would not. I wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah, it wouldn't be that high. Be yeah. That's so. Thank you, thank you, uh, people who who don't don't care. Thank you, mostly old don't. people, I assume, who trade in their movie collection and don't ever actually open it. <laughs> That's exactly right. They don't know that they they, they could have had the movie and sold the movie. You know, best of both worlds there. But uh, whatever. You know, <laughs> that's for that's for us to know and for them to just you know not to forget about. Um. Uh, all right. Well, this yeah, this has been fantastic. Uh. Let's let's go through the let's go through the, the category that it was up for and then let's talk about what other stuff it should have been up for. Um best visual effects. Obviously it should win. Back to the future part two just is leaning on it for some of its most important scenes, and it still just holds up. These movies still look so damn good. Uh The Abyss won the award. I haven't seen that movie. I have a hard time believing that it should be Back to the Future, though. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, come on, really? Uh, there's only three movies in the in the category, so it's The Abyss winner, Back to the Future Part Two, and then The Adventure of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen? I don't know how to say that one. Don't know what it is. Um, what a weird group of movies. 
Yeah, I've actually seen The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen. Uh, okay. What, what what is it? It's Terry Gilliam. It's a weird Monty Python. Oh, adventure. I've heard of that now. Okay. Okay. It's not great. It's very all over the place. Um, but you know, visually, I guess it looks pretty good. Um, the Abyss, for being such a famous movie and a success, is insanely hard to find. Uh, it's not streaming anywhere, not even to rent. Uh, I have a DVD of it at my apartment, but I'm not at my apartment, so I wasn't able to watch it for this. I was going to do that because I, you know, two out of three ain't bad, but I wanted to make it a hat trick. Yes, I, I would have also watched The Abyss if it was on streaming. You know, James Cameron, Ed Harris, an Oscar win for visual effects. That's that's kind of enough, right? To to go ahead and give it a go. It is like two and a half hours, but um, that's fine. I, I I can do that one day. One day, man, we'll you'll be able to watch your DVD, and I'll borrow it, and we'll knock out another Oscar Oscar winner. Uh, it's always always fun. Now, Back to the Future Part Two. I'm gonna go ahead and say Dean Cundy for cinematography. I'm gonna say Silvestri for score could be could be uh, up for an Oscar screenplay um christopher lloyd best supporting actor tom wilson best supporting actor i don't know i feel like it should have a whole slew of nominations i would give wilson a supporting actor nomination for sure i would give this production design without yeah. a doubt um sound i think like you know sound mixing sound editing whatever it wants to call itself yeah i'd give it that uh, screenplay, I think yes, because this is a convoluted. This has a this movie has potential to be incredibly hard to follow. True, true. But Zemeckis' storytelling is second to none, and he pulls it off. So I think screenplay credit for sure, or nomination. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think cinematography is a good bet. Sco- uh, score is a good bet. That's about where I'd, yeah, where I'd call it. Uh, now. Knowing what we know, you know, we've both seen all of the uh, Best Picture nominees from this year. Yeah. Just got it so wrong. This this could be, if if it were our, our ideal, you know, uh, Best Picture group, I, I'd venture to say, you know, you could have Back to the Future Part 2. You could have Batman, maybe. You could have Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You could have Do the Right Thing. But instead, you, you, you're going with Driving Miss Daisy, taking a spot. That's that's stupid. Born on the Fourth of July, pretty good. Pretty good Oliver Stone movie. I'm not going to say that that is, doesn't deserve a spot. Dead Poet Society is probably what I would choose to win the goddamn award. It's the most powerful movie, I think. Uh, that one or Do the Right Thing from 1989. Uh, Field of Dreams, pretty solid. I don't think Field of Dreams is a best picture movie and uh, for me. I think I'd go with, you know, one of the other, you know, kind of big box office hits uh, like Back to the Future or, or Batman or Indiana Jones. And then My Left Foot, uh, Oscar bait, you know, definition of Oscar bait movie. I still like it a lot. Daniel Day-Lewis gets his first win there. So I, I understand that one. But I think this group could have been a lot more memorable. If they would have done, you know, maybe one or two of the more popular movies that are that that are still really good, uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I'm with you 100. I think you drop Driving Miss Daisy, you just get that out of there, kindly ask it to leave, yeah. and uh, you give that you give that one to do the right thing. I think you next Field of Dreams, give that one to Last Crusade. 
Actually, you know, Nick's my left foot. I'm going to keep Field of Dreams. I like, I, I really like Field of Dreams. I'm going to keep that. I do too. Yeah, it's tough. I'm going to Nick's my left foot. I'm going to give that to Last Crusade. So your five are Dead Poets, Do the Right Thing, Field of Dreams, Last Crusade, and Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a kick-ass group. Uh, you know, if it, if it were really, <laughs> if it were really a perfect world. Give me the, give me, give me the burbs. Give me Christmas vacation. <laughs> you know? uh, just, just fucking make it crazy. Uh, 1989's a great movie year for all kinds of movies. It's uh, a really interesting point in American culture for sure. Or things are, things are about to definitely change as we get to the turn of the decade going into the nineties. Uh, so <clears throat> I've always loved looking at this, looking at this uh, ceremony. Again, this is our fourth time. This is a very strong group of movies we've done. Uh, we've done Dead Poets, Do the Right Thing, When Harry Met Sally, and now Back to the Future Part 2. What a group. You know, uh, that alone could be a best picture category that I would be be down with. <laughs> yeah, good variety there. Good highlighting some some fantastic movies from that year. And uh, yeah, kind of going off the beaten path of the Oscars, which is what we've always done best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely like, you know, shouting out different kinds of movies. You know, When Harry Met Sally is a rom-com. Back to the Future Part Two is a major, you know, major, you know, it's like the third highest grossing movie from that year behind Indiana Jones and Batman, uh, and still holds up, still looks great. Do the Right Thing is like the movie that's like trying to really say something about what's happening in that in that year and that time and place, and still holds up, obviously, and kind of unfortunately, uh, Dead Poet Society is about like embracing life, you know. We've done, we've done, yeah, we've done some some cool stuff here uh, all over the board and. Uh, if we ever go back to this year, what, what what would you have? Obviously, one day we're gonna have to do driving with Stacy. I'm, you know, that's <laughs> that's for another time, for years from now. <laughs> what uh, what what movie from 1989 would you want to do? Would you want to like take a take a take a plunge into to the abyss, or would you want to <laughs> do something else? Um, let's see. Um, uh, I really like to do Last Crusade. Really, that'd be sick. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through them now. Uh, let's see here. I've heard good things about the fabulous Baker boys. Uh, yeah, that could be good. Sex lies and videotape would be an interesting one. I, okay. I've thought about putting that on the schedule this year for, um, cause Soderbergh was up for a screenplay for that. That was his, you know, that was, that was the movie where people were like, oh, okay, all right, this guy's got something to say. And his 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 new film, Magic Mike, <laughs> Magic Mike Four, comes out, I believe, in three. Uh, Magic Mike Three. Oh, Magic Mike Three. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He directed the first one. Someone else did the second one. The second one sucks. <laughs> third one. Third one. I'm I'm gonna see that. I love the first Magic Mike. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, you can tell Soderbergh behind the camera in the second one. You're like, what happened? <laughs> oh, Steven. Steven's not there. <laughs> okay, uh, makes sense because it's just a fucking shit show. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the third one. I think it'd be cool to do a Soderbergh film. And Sex, Lies, and Videotape is a really unique one to do. It only has that one nomination. So I've thought about doing that, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, yeah, the world is our oyster here on Oscar Sunday. We have a lot of lot of different movies we can do, and making the schedule is half the fun for us. True. I mean, if we want to get really ambitious, you know, we could do Cinema Paradiso. Oh, dude, I. Yeah, I've oh, I've never seen that, and I've been waiting for an excuse to watch it. 
It's the best best foreign language uh, winner from out of Italy. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, crimes and misdemeanors. I feel like I got to see that at some point, even though I don't like you know Woody Allen's not really my guy. I feel like I got to see it at some point. Um, I was um I was making some uh, some letterbox lists of like all the Oscar winning films I've seen in various categories, and I've only seen two documentary winners. Of the entire run of the of the Oscars, I've seen two: One Day in September and Undefeated. Okay, and all we've done on this show as documentaries go is Minding the Gap and Undefeated, right? You guys did Hoop Dreams as well. Oh, that's right. Me and me and my brother. So those are all those are all sports related. Uh, okay, let's get a doc on there soon. Yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do more more doc winners, more foreign winners, just to get those off my list. Yeah, that's yeah. If you have a podcast to use, you might as well use it for for knocking stuff off. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll look at uh, documentary winners. I'll probably do that today, and kind of figure out which one we could do in the next few months. Uh, yeah, I'd love to do a history based one, maybe. Um, not not sports. Uh, and and don't worry, it won't be OJ Made in America. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I saw that, but I watched that. It came out um, same as The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. It came out uh, like every Monday for like for like a month straight. So like it, it was it was a docu series. Like come on, like it's not a mo- it's not a documentary. It's not a movie. It's not a feature film. Because if, if that's the case, then The Last Dance should have won best doc at the Oscars as well, but it's, it didn't cause it was on TV. <laughs> like it's, it's a television show. It's a docu-series that was, you know, the last dance is like 10 hours. Uh, fucking OJ made America is like six or seven hours. So I just, I don't think those should count. And there's no way I'm going to make both of us watch that within a week and give awards out to it. <laughs> it's like near impossible. You'd think considering how stringent the Oscars, like the Academy are with their rules, that wouldn't have happened. I, I think, I think they were just like, holy fucking shit. We got to recognize this thing. Um, it is, it is, it was like life changing watching that. Um, i like, I'll never forget just like every, every, every night it came on, I, I raced home from work and I was like, I, I cannot wait to fucking learn. You know, it's one of those, one of those like really exciting things <clears throat> that happens in culture every now and again. It was really worthwhile, uh, but I don't think it should have been up. Uh, that year, I think 13th should have won. Hmm. I'll watch it at some point. I'd like to start checking those out. Like I said, I've only seen yeah. two Oscar winning you, documentaries. You'll, you'll love it because it's, it is it is a fucking history lesson. Like, it is <laughs> just, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll, learn, you'll, you'll take a lot away from that, I'm sure. Oh man, this is this is fantastic. Um, let's see. We got, like I said earlier in the show, I've mentioned a couple times. We got Back to the Future Part Three on Wednesday on Filmgasm. Is there a fake true stories on the horizon? Um, we're gonna try to record one next week. Uh, Glory okay. Road is gonna be the film. Uh, 2006 basketball uh, biopic. Love that movie. Yes. So <laughs> a good, good, good old Texas story. That'll be fun. I can't wait for that. Um. Okay, good. That's that's what you'll have next in line. I know what y'all are doing after that. It's quite ambitious, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be our first uh, horror movie based on a true story, and that's going to okay. be 
interesting kind of deciding like what is a true story when it comes to that ah okay yeah i'm stoked i'm also stoked i've been listening to more beyond the bads lately just because when i listened to the waiting one you guys made me fucking like belly laugh you know i was just like fucking dying laughing mainly listening to you guys him share his subway stories and you share your draft house stories of like working in the food industry i was just dying laughing so on um beyond the bad this week uh batman the killing joke uh very divisive film very very divisive uh, most comic book people hate it and then there's people like me who aren't as huge into comic books who are like i think it's fine i think it's okay not great but it's not terrible in my opinion i had fun you know but it's not my favorite fucking batman uh animated movie by a long shot so i mean i'm excited to hear you guys uh dig into it yeah it's i'm a big fan of the graphic novel i think it's a groundbreaking graphic novel and i think that what the what they added into the movie was unnecessary and kind of poisoned the well and that's what pissed everybody off that's what i've heard yeah we're gonna go into that and kind of talk about like why did they do that yeah, it, that's the confusing thing, you know. That, that's cool because that movie just came out like six, five or six years ago, so that'll, that'll be neat. Uh, let's see. And next week on this show, uh, I will be absent. I'm going to a wedding in Dallas, so I asked Connor to, you know, take over. And, of course, like the good captain he is, he's going to take over, and he's going to bring on uh, Josh Allred for his first Oscar Sunday. <laughs> going to be going to be really cool. Josh mentioned this movie to us months ago uh a a western called broken lance 1954 uh starring spencer tracy uh robert wagner you know it's it's one of those that i'm gonna watch anyway even though i'm not gonna be on the episode it's one of those i've wanted to see god spencer tracy's the fucking man so i i'm stoked to have josh be with you on the first his first oscar sunday a movie he you know recommended and uh, it'll be cool to see what y'all do with the movie. I don't think it's on streaming right now. Uh, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but I think you do have to rent it, unless, of course, unless you own it. But I, I would suggest checking that on come back, coming back because when Josh wants to do something, he's gonna fucking do it. And you can clearly tell there's passion for this movie for Broken Lance uh, with, with Josh. So I'm sure he's gonna bring the heat. It'll be a cool different perspective on the Oscars from him. Uh, he's, you know, him and Caleb are very much opposite of Connor and I when it comes when it comes to the Oscars. Uh, all four of us think it's silly, but they openly just think it's dumb as shit. So I, I get it. I totally, I totally get it, and I kind of agree with them. But I also love a lot of Oscar nominated movies and a lot of Oscar winners. So you know, just t- take 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 it for what it is. Uh, that'll be cool. Broken Lance. So we got Back to the Future Part Three, Killing Joke broken lance this week nice and random all over the board uh so it's gonna be a lot of fun and again fake true stories is gonna be coming back with some heat with glory road can't wait to hear that episode uh hopefully in a couple weeks uh thank you guys for listening this is an absolute blast this was a special episode for connor's birthday got to knock out his second favorite movie of all time so you know we're we're, we're getting through them, man we're, we're working through your top 10 <laughs> nice <laughs> nice and easy uh that's one of the coolest things that that i get to do is 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 hang out with you and talk about your favorite stuff uh so keep watching movies guys follow us on instagram twitter uh facebook definitely follow connor 95 on letterboxd he's churning out 
turning out stuff. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving how active you are now because all of your reviews are on there. Very cool. Uh, you can stay engaged with what we're thinking about movies and what we're watching. We both knocked out a shit ton of movies already throughout January, and we intend on doing that all year. So thank you guys. Keep watching movies, and we'll see you on Wednesday.